last ones in where being late to the party isn't a bad thing. I am your host, Jariah Archuleta, and right next to me we have Robbie. Hello. And next to him we have E. Hello. And then from across the country, we have Rocky. Hello. And today the movie that we're going to be taking a look at is the classic Ghostbusters, the original, not Ghostbusters 2, not Ghostbusters Remake, the very, very first Ghostbusters. But before we really start talking about that, Robbie, yeah, what's been up in your life? Um, started a new job. I think I talked about that last week. How's that going? Not too bad. I actually like it a lot more than my previous job. It's, well, for one, even though I moved further away, like it's actually closer still. So it's a lot less of a drive. It's like, so I'm not driving 40 minutes to get to work anymore. The actual workload itself is better, if you ask me. Uh, the people that I work with are better. They're a lot more relaxed. Like once I'm actually done with training and everything, if I wanted to like listen to music while I'm working, I can actually do that compared to my last job where we just had eight hours of listening to machines roaring. You just had to sing to yourself. Yeah, pretty much. So here's a question. You said you're working on ventilators, right? Yeah, uh, ventilator what, parts. What parts for the ventilator are you working on? Uh, I'm not sure exactly. It looks like it might be like the part that regulates the air that goes through it, but... The vent? Not like the actual vent, but like... <laughs> the later? Yeah, I guess the later. <laughs> <laughs> like, they didn't tell us exactly what the part was. I just know that they have, like, this big contract for... With, uh, I think it's Philips that they had the contract with, and they're making ventilator parts out of, like, a aircraft-grade aluminum for huh. it. But I'm not sure exactly what the parts are, but that's what I can... From what I can tell is it's actually, I guess, like... Like I said, kind of a pressure regulator valve is what it looks like for it. But it's that's kind of the life of machinists is they just kind of give you a blueprint and say, make this. They don't tell you what it does exactly. Fair enough. So here's another question for you. Is this a permanent position or are you just on until all of the uh, ventilators are made? So it's permanent. Like they hired me on like day one. I actually had benefits with this job, which was really nice. Wow. Uh, day one, like they started paying us kind of our. So there it's I got I didn't like get hired on through a temp company or anything like that or through a contract like my last job was like this is legitimately just hired onto the company and they have a whole bunch of other things that they work on besides these ventilators. But because of the world that we're living in right now, it's very prominent or it's very important that we make these right now. I think we have a contract for something like 300,000 ventilator parts that we need to make for them. It's a lot of parts. Yeah. So like you're being treated way better almost instantly. Yeah. Very much so. Nice. This is all around. It's a smaller company and, in my opinion, a better company that I'm working for this time around. So I don't know what I'll feel like six months down the line. But as of right now, I, I feel like this is a better job than what I had before. But yeah, just I guess getting my feet wet with this new job, just learning the new tricks of this trade, because like, you know, every single job that you work on is going to be just slightly different than the last one. And so it's it's a learning experience, but I think it's it's a good switch that I've had. Cool. Anything else going on in your life? Not really a whole lot that I can think of, just existing. Staying alive. Yep. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> but E. Hi. How have you been? Uh, pretty great. Um, I'm out of college. I can cease doing that. Well, not forever. Just forever. Yep, I'm, I give up. Oh, you could cease doing it forever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that game I've been talking about for a couple weeks now, we have finally released... Yeah, do you want to throw a plug in here? Yeah, sure. Uh, minor Inconvenience on itch.io. That is minor, M-I-N-E-R, Inconvenience, however you spell that, because I always spell it wrong. <laughs> this, is, this is a game on itch. Uh, no controller support yet. 
but we're on sale for a bit. It, I uh, have personally been playing it. It's very fun. That's not me just saying that. I don't lie to people. It's actually very fun. Yeah, last time you told me it wasn't very fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the early builds were uh, pretty rough, but yeah, if you guys are interested in that, definitely go check it out. Uh, I drew a chipmunk, and it's one of the first things I've drawn for myself in a while. It so. looked very angry. <laughs> I, maybe it was a maybe it was like one of those interpersonal, inner pieces things. Inner chipmunk. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's. Uh, other than that, now it begins the job search. We'll see how that goes. If I mysteriously disappear, maybe that's why, but maybe not. What job would you have gotten where you disappeared? <laughs> I don't know. I've I've been gone in every job before. He goes for the best jobs. You <laughs> just disappear. Yeah, hide and seek champion. Maybe who knows? That's a that has to be a job, right? <laughs> Somebody has to be the hide and seek champion. How do you pay maybe? them? I don't know. You have to find <laughs> them first. Find them. Yeah. If you get found, though, you're fired. That's the caveat. yeah. That's the caveat. You get paid for your time, though. <laughs> yeah, that's been my life, uh, winding down and winding up in some senses. Nice. That's but cool. across the country, how is the rock? The rock is just having another so-so week. Nothing new with me. That's it. Cool. <laughs> As always, you are a virtue of activity, Rocky. Once, look, I'm going to tell you, once there's something that I feel is of interest, I'll bring it up. But at the moment, everything's very quiet on my end. That's all cool. I can say. <laughs> but with that, with that guess- esteemed guest out of the way, <laughs> how is... The ghost with the most, the Jiraiya. I'm a ghost? Soon. Oh, no. <laughs> is that why you're disappearing? <laughs> got a hitman job? Is Jiraiya your first hitman job? I can't disclose any information about my potential. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> there, you, you make these vague threats. <laughs> that get a... more foreboding as time goes on. <laughs> Next week is going to be in How's the Near Practically Dead Host, Jiraiya. How, how is the Almost Comatose Host? You're eating those brownies I sent, aren't you? <laughs> um, but yeah, I am doing quite well. Um, getting some bonuses coming up here at work for, uh, you know, my heroic duties of stocking shelves. Yeah. As heroes do. Yeah, like, that's what Superman does. Superman, Spider-Man, Batman, Robin, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern. Eat all matter, man. <laughs> so they're giving you something more than a title for being an essential worker, then? Uh, for now. Okay. I, like I get it. two more weeks of being a quote-unquote hero, and then it's over. <laughs> You're no longer a hero after yeah, that. And COVID's gone, so, you know. I think that's how Superman works, too. Like, at a point, they're just... Actually, I think that's the plot of some of the movies, now that I think about it. I think that might be, yeah. <laughs> actually. No, I mean, Superman can do it, I can do it. There you go. But, yeah, everything's going really well. I am, since I got that 4K Blu-ray player a couple weeks back, I have been spending way too much money on movies because I am trying to get as many 4K movies as possible now because <laughs> I've been holding back on buying movies because I'm like, I'm going to have a 4K player at some point. I don't want to buy this movie because it would look really good in 4K. And so now I'm, like, going and buying all these 4K movies, and now I'm even like, well, what if I get rid of this normal movie I have and then buy the 4K version of this movie? <laughs> and it's just a whole... I'm going to be a dead in like a week. It's going to be great. 
Um, yeah, I'm sure Liz is going to be great to hear of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to bring up this week that I have to buy a new shelf for the movies. And she's she's really going to like that conversation. I yeah, think she's going to be shelf? into it. I also need that shelf. Damn it. I need just more shelves. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, playing Minor Inconvenience. And I've started messing around with Google Stadia a little bit. Does uh, it work? It technically works. That's... <laughs> That's the highest that's rating you can whole, give it. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, like, from what I've heard with Google Stadia, that's what it is. It's like, it technically works. And then the thing is, like, the one, like, computer here that I have that connects through Ethernet, I can play those games at higher resolutions and at higher <laughs> frame rates anyway because the computer I have. So I don't actually need Stadia for this. And the games that they offer you are old games for the most part. So I'm not getting anything from this. Yeah. And then, you know, just being sad about movies still being not in theaters. Fair. Uh, but you have your uh, 4K Blu-ray player now, so... Yeah, you can watch Scoob in 4K. Yeah. I could do that before. There's... They, oh, I'm going to have to talk about this later. Okay. That's a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I guess then let's move on to this week's movie, Ghostbusters. Uh, I have seen it. Rocky has seen it. Port, most of it, at least, from what I understand. I have technically seen it, but yeah, it was a long so you time said, ago like, when I watched portions of it, right? So no, like I, I'm pretty sure I've watched it all the way through, but that was still whenever I was a kid when I watched it, and I haven't oh. seen it since. I think this movie's gonna surprise you a bit, then. It probably will. Like I said, there's like little bits and pieces that I remember about it, but I don't remember the whole thing in general. Mm. And there's also a good chance that things that I remember about it are probably from the second movie, actually. But they're extremely similar. Yeah. <laughs> So, but it's one of those like I'm not gonna be 100 percent sure until I watch it again because it's been quite some time since I've watched this movie. Yeah. So, which uh, leaves obviously like is 95 percent of the time here. E is the last one in. That I am. So, with you being the last one in, what do you, E, think Ghostbusters is going to be about? What do you think happens in this film? Okay. So, when there's something strange in your neighborhood. They're who you're going to call, except despite what that sounds like, they only handle ghosts, which is quite unfortunate. You think with a tagline like that, you would do a lot more, but you would think a little bit more. Yeah, but then you're going to have to deal with like racist old women and stuff, and it's going to get really weird. And- <laughs> yeah. For the synopsis, uh, I believe, I feel like there's three, but sometimes I think there's four, and I don't know the actual number of the main group. So there's three, there, I'm going to say there's like three and a half. Uh, guys <laughs> who are the Ghostbusters, but at first they're blue-collar workers, and they're like, fuck this, let's go hunt some ghosts. So they open up a ghost hunting agency and uh, hunt ghosts for a bit. And then uh, the city is under attack by ghosts, and they hunt those ghosts. I believe it's actually not based off the 1975 television series of the same name. So I don't think there's a gorilla in this, and I don't think they're detectives. There is not a gorilla, and they are not detectives. Well, there we go. It's not It's not the 1975 The Ghostbusters, then. It is not the 1975 The Ghostbusters. You're correct. <laughs> I also just going to go ahead and say I don't think the remake is the same story, but if it is, they probably... Uh, are, like, ostracized by the city for being doofs. Before the Ghostbusters, there was also the Ghosters, correct? Like, you would call them for your ghost problems, but they would never show up. <laughs> yeah, they ghost you, I think, is what they're tagging on. 
When you're in trouble, call the ghosters. We'll ghost you. No, no, they say we'll be there. We promise. And you just can never get a hold. <laughs> <laughs> but then whenever you uh, you finally get a knock at your door, it's actually the busters that are telling you, you've been duped. And then they run away. And, that's, and they're like, God, these fucking ghostbusters. <laughs> I don't know why I keep calling them. <laughs> so they, so the, the, the busters and the ghosters came together to get the ghostbusters. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> If this isn't how the movie goes, I'm going to be severely disappointed. Oh, no. <laughs> right now, I'm going to give it a 1 out of 10 if there's not the Ghosters and the Busters who combine forces to create the Ghostbusters. All right. So let's read the uh, quote-unquote back of the box. I have the 30th uh, anniversary edition, so it's a pamphlet on the inside of it. Yeah. It's actually very nice. I was going to say, it kind of reminds me of like the Criterion Collection DVDs. Yeah, it's really good. Because there's uh, a... I only own two movies from the Criterion Collection, but they come with, like, just a little small book for you to read. Yeah, just 30 fucking pages. Yeah. Really nice. <laughs> but the but ins- yeah. what does the inside of the pamphlet say this movie's about? New York City has a problem. Rats. <laughs> that too. Paranormal occurrences have been plaguing the city in increasing numbers, and the only ones who know this are three extraordinarily bright, slightly offbeat university parapsychologists who lose their research grant are forced out of the academy and start their own business. That tells you almost That's nothing That's about the, the back movie. of the nice. box. That is my favorite kind of back of the box. Basically nothing. Gives you fucking nothing. <laughs> tells you fuck off. <laughs> Buy this movie if you want to watch it. Yep. It's also the Ghostbusters, so they were probably like, you know what the fucking Ghostbusters is. Yeah, Just... it's the 35th edition <laughs> yeah. of Ghostbusters, so or 30th anniversary edition, I mean. But wait, how long is this film? And also, what is the rate of the film? Rating the... So, the movie is 106 minutes long, so... An hour 46? Yeah. It's a, it's a good... It's basically the perfect length of a film, in my opinion. I, I'm, a, I'm a more 60-minute guy myself, but... <laughs> That's not a movie. <laughs> a movie only has for to be... a 40. solid 45, and the <laughs> rest could be a mystery. That's just a pilot for a television series. No, uh, no, no. You skipped the first 20 minutes of the movie, you never finished the last 20. <laughs> and you're like, I'm satisfied. <laughs> I wish I knew how it started and ended, but I think this is fine. I think by definition, a movie actually only has to be like 36 minutes long. No, for a theatrical release, you need to hit at least 80 minutes. Um, Those pieces of shits who hit that line exactly. There fucking are. There are so many, yes. They just get to that point and the screen just cuts to black. You don't... They didn't even bother to write the ending. Those are not career directors. They're there for a very different reason. Yep. The ones that I love are where it's like, oh, this movie's 87 minutes long. Why are the opening credits five minutes and the end credits are ten minutes? <laughs> yeah, movie is 105 minutes long, and it's PG. It lost a minute there, what? 105. I said 106 earlier, I could have sworn. Well, I misread it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the movie is 104 minutes long. Uh, <laughs> and PG for PG. Just PG. Oh, uh, this was before 13, huh? Yeah. It was just PG for PG. There's no reason for the PG rating. It just, just is. Parents beware. Because reasons. But yeah, if anybody wants to watch along with us before we go and do this, Robbie, where could you do that? So from what I'm pulling up is you should be able to get it from the usual suspects, Vudu and Amazon Prime for $2.99, and YouTube and Google Play for $3.99. However, from what I'm seeing, uh, if you're outside the U.S., you should be able to get it on Netflix, but I'm not sure exactly Fucking where. Fucking U.S. Netflix never yeah. has anything. It's garbage. <laughs> However, <laughs> I'm Disney. also seeing, like, apparently you can watch it on Crackle, which, once again, if you don't mind having ads, you should that, be able to watch yeah, it Yeah, it makes there. sense, actually. Crackle is owned by Sony. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, uh, those are pretty much your options. Uh, I guess if you don't mind the advertisements on Crackle, you could technically watch for free on there. Or if you do, you could just use that time to get some popcorn. That's true. You can go to the bathroom, get some snacks. Mm-hmm. Perfect for people like E. Yeah. <laughs> that means it is time for us to go and watch this film. We will be back in 105 minutes or 104 minutes or 106 minutes. <laughs> I can't read. So we'll talk to you guys in just a little bit. And we are back from watching 1984 Ghostbusters, the very original. Except for the 75 one. It's just, I don't think it's the same property at all, E. They they paid for the name. Really? Yeah. That sounds wrong. Google! (laughs) They did. (laughs) That's why they could call themselves Ghostbusters, is because they paid the name. They mostly did that for safety, just so they couldn't get sued. I'll look it up later if I find more definite sources. I'll tell you, and then you can keep that in if it's true, and don't keep it in if I can't find anything. Sound good? Cool. Because right. I really want to name Ghostbusters. Yep, because it's a good name. <clears throat> it's a very good name. After that sidetrack, um, we should talk spoiler-free on our thoughts. Um, I think that we should start with the person who hasn't seen it, obviously, which, of course, would be E. Hi. What did you think of Ghostbusters 1984, and would you buy, rent, stream, or pass? This is one of the 80s movies I've seen, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 80s of the 80s. Uh, I think the pacing is ridiculous. I <laughs> In what way? It just happens a lot. I think in yeah. the last third, it finally figures out how to pace a movie, but before that, it's just scene after scene. Don't take that as a negative, by the way. Like, that's not like me. Like, oh, this is the worst. It's just like, that kind of is a caveat when I say stuff like it's the 80s movies because that was, they had a very different type of pacing. They the did. 80s. Especially comedies. Yeah. It's, it's good. I see why a lot of people like it. It comes with the issue of because people like it so much, sometimes it's kind of hard to live up to the expectations of literally everyone. Right. Everyone's quoted it so much and talked about how it's one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. That you go into it expecting something bigger. And I'd say it's like a classic in the same way that Goonies is a classic, not like how Fight Club is a classic. I think that's a good way to put it. I think that confuses me more. <laughs> like, the Goonies is a fine movie. It's a very, like, enjoyable movie, but it's not a movie that, like, really, like, makes you think or, like, it's something in the cinematography that really excels it there, whereas Fight Club is a... Movie, I'd say the classic because it makes you think of how it goes and because it subverts your expectations in a lot. Okay. Uh, as for buy, rent, stream, pass, uh, <laughs> I, I'd say rent. I don't think there's anything in this movie that like pushes it to a buy for me. Okay. It's just, it's a solid movie. If you haven't seen it, I would say see it, but I don't, it might sound weird as a comedy because you think it would be more likely but i don't think it's like one to watch again a lot interesting okay well let's uh go ahead and move on over to rocky here <clears throat> yeah it's um i like this movie a lot um i definitely i would say it's a buy um it's really it's it's just a good movie i mean i really don't have anything directly for its defense but mostly what i liked about it, it has a very um I don't know, every every scene seems very ingrained and it felt very organic. And I like that. I didn't think that the jokes were cheap. There are some creepy jokes. There's definitely yes. some like Yeah. 
good old fashioned '80s misogyny going on. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it wasn't. It, w- it it was pretty good, and I actually liked the pacing. I didn't mind the pacing. I thought it fit for the kind of movie it was. I actually wasn't going in expecting I was going to enjoy this movie, and the first 10, 15 minutes I started watching, I was like, God, why do we always watch movies that I think are going to suck? And then <laughs> as the movie kept going, I was like, This is actually really good. And I started thinking about um, how I would rate it. And yeah, this it's definitely quality. It's definitely worth, worth watching. What I really like, and I have to stress this again, it feels very organic. Nothing seems forced in this movie. It seems silly, and sometimes it, it meanders, which I think uh, E was talking about. But I think it does it in a way that works. Okay. Um, so that's my opinion. Cool. And then we'll uh, hand it over to Robbie here. Well, there's a reason why this movie was the blockbuster that it was back in the 80s and why it's such a high-grossing film and why this is like a movie that made a lot of people's careers back then. It is a very good movie. Um, I will say it is an overrated movie in the sense that... It, I don't mean that as in it's it's bad, but it's like what E said, where everyone talks about how it's the greatest movie ever made and you go in with these high expectations and then it may not set those expectations for everybody because it is still very much an 80s movie and it's a very much an 80s comedy movie and a Dan Aykroyd style of movie too, which this probably was one of the biggest movies he ever wrote. But it it is a good movie. It's definitely worth watching. It does kind of have like that buddy comedy feel to it though, like Rocky was saying with the organic feel of it Mm -hmm. and where, you know, kind of the fact that like, I feel like those guys did a lot of movies together and so they were friends in real life and it kind of shows how organic they are together and are how well their jokes work together and everything Mm -hmm. and it is a solid movie and it is also very much an 80s movie too um i think there's some things like there are some parts that i remember that it's very iconic for and some parts that are just kind of fell off for me i guess you can say but it still is a very good movie if you are into 80s comedy and like so that dan Aykroyd style of comedy then this is definitely a buy movie it's definitely a classic for a reason um but if anything, it's at least worth a watch. Uh, like we were saying earlier, it's free on Crackle. So it's, <laughs> it's definitely like if you w- just want to check it out and you're not unsure, like that's a place you can go and watch it. But it's definitely worth a watch at least. And as for myself, I really, really do love this movie. I think that it has a lot of really dry wit to it that, I don't know, it was kind of coming into style at the time, but it was definitely like a Bill Murray staple, a Dan Aykroyd staple to have this incredibly... Um, silly thing, really, right? Yeah. And then they take it super seriously, and then there's a super serious scene, and they all take it very silly. And so I think it it helps kind of elevate the material on both sides. So whenever something very serious is happening, they're able to be real silly, and it makes those silly things much funnier. And then whenever there's something very silly happening, they're able to be very serious, and I think they're able to pull that off pretty well. Yeah. And... Yeah, like you guys were saying, they have an insane amount of charisma. They've worked together in a bunch of different projects. They helped each other's careers grow. If it weren't for them all working together, I'm not sure where their careers would have went. Um, just because they were very much misfits of the of the era and In a weird way, their own little rat pack. Yeah, in a way, yeah. And yeah, I think all of that just shines through in the script and the way that they all kind of wrote it and the way that the production came together, which we'll get into later. But yeah, it's a, it's an insane movie that is insane that it even ever got made. And you can tell the love and passion that was put into this, even though it was put into in a very uh, ramshackle way. Yeah. 
Uh, for me, it's definitely a buy. I own it. I, I highly recommend buying it. If you aren't a person that likes buying movies, you need to stream it or rent it however you can. Yeah, Everybody that, should see this movie at some point. Yeah, and that's what I was saying. It, it's definitely worth the watch, at least. Like, this is definitely one of those movies, you know, you show a friend, you show your kids, you show your grandkids, you show your ne- nieces and nephews kind of thing. Right, it's almost on that same level like Star Wars or like Jaws or right. something like that. Right, right. I came in on the opposite end. I didn't come in with a high expectation. I thought that this movie was going to be very unenjoyable, and I found myself really satisfied with watching it. Um, it definitely doesn't sell you something, which is why I like the humor a lot, because I feel like a lot of humor tries in these kind of movies tries to sell you an image of something. Yeah. And I don't think that that does that, and I, I appreciate that. Yeah, there is a level of cynicism behind all of their attitudes that I think helps helps push everything forward. Right. But yeah, that's our spoiler-free thoughts on the movie. So here's something that's going on, guys. Um, we have been starting to feel like our old format was stagnating with the spoilers. So we're going to change it up. We're going to do something a little more free-flow, a little more off-the-cuff. Um, we are no longer, or at least we're going to experiment with, not going a step-by-step from beginning to the end of the movie. And we're going to see how that goes for us. We're hoping that it feels a little a little better and a little more fun and a little more loose for us and uh, a little easier to listen to and a little just better overall, hopefully. Right. So just to let you know, it won't be a one-to-one of what happened in the movie, but we will be talking about the movie. Spoiler heavy. We're just going to talk about whatever we thought was important. And whatever we want to talk about and whatever we want to have fun talking about, we're going to enjoy this. That's what this whole thing's about, enjoyment. So we very much welcome you along for the discussion that we're about to have. But if you haven't seen the movie and you still want to somehow, if you're one of those E-type people, go check the movie out. Because when we come back, it's spoilers. You're a mole person like I am. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Be right back. So the movie starts um, in New York City. At a library, doesn't really say the name at first with it. It shows on the building, but I forget what it's just. Uh, I think it's just the New York Public Library. But it follows the librarian to where she eventually, you know, she's gathering up some books and she brings them downstairs. And I guess where it shows the first sighting of paranormal activity within the movie, where uh, you just see books kind of floating in the background while she's putting them away. Yeah, I really and like it becomes the camera like, work there, actually, because, yeah. like, it's following her really tightly um, all through, like, the top of the library. Which, fun fact on that, by the way, um, it was an actual, the actual library in New York that they let them film in, but they had to film only before 10 a.m. because they still wanted to operate normal hours. And so all the stuff in the library happens, like, early in the fucking morning because yeah. that's when they were allowed to shoot. Um, but, yeah, uh, I like how it follows the librarian because... When she's up top and you see, like, all the tables and stuff like that, um, that is the actual New York library. And then when she goes downstairs, that's a library in Los Angeles. Yeah, that makes sense for a movie yeah, like this. it's just weird. But, but yeah, I like how it follows her because it follows her really tightly. And she takes a turn left into uh, one of the shelves aisles. And then it, like, just slowly stops and lets her keep walking forward. And then you see the books going across. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, kind of starts off in the background more. And then, like, it just becomes more and more apparent as you're watching it up until it gets to the point where you just see library cards just flying in the air and flickering up and basically creating library card snow in the building. Yeah, which is actually a really fun little effect. Yeah, I really yeah. like the practical effects, usually. They did have movie. some good practical effects for this movie. Yeah, most of the time, like, uh, I was listening to the commentary and they said for 
everything because this is before uh, visual effects became right. as readily available and as good as they were, um, or are now, I should say. They nope, tried they to stopped. do <laughs> they tried to do as much stuff practically as they possibly could. So the cards flying up, completely practical effects. They just put copper pipes in the uh, slots there, and that's a fake wall that all those shelves are attached to. And they just shot air through the pipes and pushed the pipes forward so the cards would fly up. Neat. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah, and then like the books going across, they just put it on a wire and pulled it through. Yeah, <laughs> they matched the wire pretty well. Yeah, but yeah, so we see the uh, librarian getting all these paranormal activities happening in the basement, and she's running and freaking out, and then she runs into a ghost. We don't yeah. see the ghost, though. You don't see the ghost. No. You just see a bright light and her screaming at whatever the bright light is. Yeah, and then it cuts into the famous Ghostbusters music. Yep. Um, And then you get the title card, with the no ghosts and the ghost thing, Ghostbusters, and yeah, it's really great. It's yeah. a really strong opening to a movie, actually. It's also very 80s, because they always did that in 80s movies. They had something interesting at the very beginning of the movie, and then... That keeps you hyped up for the movie for whenever you're going through all the different slow parts of it. So that way you're like, okay, what's going to happen next kind of thing? Because it's not a whole lot, but like for the next 10 minutes, just slow and guys talking and a couple visual gags. Well, I, the parts that I like about it is that it shows you like the kind of characters that. Yeah, it, that it is very much like is. character building. But like I said, character building is slow. It is. Yeah. But it does show the kind of characters like it does start off with Peter. And Vincent, him doing yeah. his little test where he's doing the ESP ability wherever they have to try to guess what's on a card. The thing I like about this scene, because you, you see on the door it has all their names on it and stuff like that, and they're part of the psychology department or whatever. Yeah. Or parapsychology, whatever it's called. And in Lipstick, you see uh, Rotten Hell Peter Vinkman. Yeah. Or Die in Hell Peter Vinkman, something like that. And then immediately after that, you get to see Peter Vinkman doing super shitty stuff to try and get laid. <laughs> right. So, like, you figure out his character within five minutes of this movie. Was that lipstick? I thought it was just, like, spray paint. Uh, I just assumed it was lipstick because women. That's racist. That's not racist. That's sexist. <laughs> <laughs> women are a proud race dress. Somehow it's racist now, I think. <laughs> it's racist now. <laughs> but, uh, but, no, like, it, that was, I guess, also an 80s thing is for a girl to write something on a mirror with lipstick, too. Yeah. I don't know. It just looks too, like, wide to be lipstick. It, it's something. It's some kind of material sprayed, like, painted on the glass somehow, whether it's regular paint or spray paint or lipstick or nail polish blood, or whatever we want to say. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Raspberry actually, juice, whatever you want to write on a window with. <laughs> this scene actually perfectly exemplifies a thought I had throughout this movie. Bill Murray is both my favorite and least favorite part of this movie. Yeah, I think, honestly, in my everyday life of, like, hanging out with Rocky, Rocky is my personal Bill Murray. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Just like, you know, when we're playing games or watching something, just someone who just doesn't give a fuck to a level that's hilarious. Yeah, I try. That's that's all. I care so much. Yeah. After we see him doing these uh, shock, shock experiments to try and get laid... Um, Ray comes in. He's like, "Hey, we found something. You got to come with us." And so they go over. Also, to... that that kid was probably a psychic. Oh yeah, he was super <laughs> a psychic. He was getting everything yeah. right. Yeah. No, 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 no. So okay, with the whole scene of them doing the psychic thing, he was getting them wrong. But so was the girl. But every single time the guy got one wrong, he would zap him. But here's the thing that it also does. Whenever the girl gets one, um, she would get it wrong. He put the card down, and yeah. then when he would go to the guy, the guy would guess the girl's right. Oh yeah, but he's yeah. still. Wrong. I didn't notice that. I guess, but he was still. Yeah, he was still the wrong. Sense, but, but he was still getting up until like the... the last one when he yeah. guessed three wavy lines. Yeah, yeah. And, and he then... got that one right, but he's like, nope, so wrong, and then zapped him again. 
But yeah, like after the girl would get one and get it wrong, he would get hers right. So, yeah, but you'd still yeah, be I didn't wrong. Even he'd, still I mean, he'd still be wrong about his own. He's but still offset. It's I. It's like fifty percent psychic. I think yeah. he's a really shitty a psychic. If he's a psychic, it's a delayed psychic. psychic. Yeah. It's <laughs> that's like it's, psychic. This, it's <laughs> this close to being hindsight psychic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that whole experiment scene happens. Tries to get laid, and then they go off to because they get a call because they work at a college. Yeah, so they go off to the library, and they meet Yvonne. Egon. 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 Yeah, Egon. <laughs> and he's just there listening to yeah, a table for science. Yeah, it's really I cool because he's there, Egon. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I think is what it is is because they say that there's like certain um, sensitive electrostatic equipment that you can use that technically you can hear ghost off of because it's stuff that you can't hear with the with just your regular ears, which is why you have like a lot of those movie tropes wherever somebody's you know, just um, listening on a tape recorder or listening on a voice recorder of some kind or, like, having equipment like we have here, but just turning the sensitivity way up so they yeah. could possibly hear something that might be there or turning on, like, the white noise generator so that way they can hear stuff through the, the white noise. So, like, that's what, something that is really interesting about Ghostbusters is Dan Aykroyd, huge paranormal person. Yeah. um, Like, huge, huge, huge. Like, whenever they did Ghostbusters, they went out and, like, read books that were really hard to find and uh, found equipment and found, like, professionals... That said, like, well, if ghosts did exist, like, how would they act? What would they do? And they're um, like, what do you mean, d- did? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, but yeah, he was, like, super into ghosts. So, like, the stuff that they're talking about here, where it's, like, common, like, ghost trope stuff, like, that wasn't common back then. That was very unknown stuff. Right. It's so, like, in a lot of ways, Ghostbusters introduced a lot of those ideas to the general populace. Ghostbusters are responsible for all of the ghost shows. It, honestly, kind, maybe. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Like you, you're probably not wrong. <laughs> like there are that's the well, first. I don't want to say that <laughs> Ghostbusters is the reason why Ghost Hunters is a TV show, but uh, I might say that it is exactly why. What about the one on Cartoon Network, though? Courage? No, there was actually a ghost hunting show on Cartoon Network for a year. Real? That's Courage? weird. Yeah. No, I would <laughs> like to imagine it was a real ghost hunting show. Was it? Yeah, it was at, like with live action, except they're all children. That's weird. Yeah, Yeah, like, you know, the thing that makes them almost credible, gone. (laughs) I feel like that might be more interesting than adults. Because, like, (laughs) children get way more scared. No. (laughs) Actually, it's kind of funny because, like, you can always just take it as a show about kids just having fun imagining if they were ghost hunters. Yeah. That's weird. It's not a good show. The children are not good actors. To be fair, I can probably think of a worse one. There was one on MTV for a little while. I do not know how long it lasts. I just know I remember coming across it at one point in time where they had, like, these contestants doing almost game show-styled stuff. Like, almost like Fear Factor-style challenges in a haunted house. Yeah, that was a thing on MTV for a while. That was actually entertaining, though. It was. was But it was just, like, with that one, like, they're like, oh, yeah, you got to electrocute yourself for this challenge kind of thing. What? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That was the thing. Like, someone, like, legitimately had to, like, grab live wires and electrocute themselves for a challenge. Yeah, they would, like, all be, like, in a room, and they'd be like, here's your challenge. Everybody, like, go off, and they, like, put camera gear on them, like, Blair Witch style, so they'd record themselves. And they'd be like, get to this area, do a seance, now shoot yourself with mace. Yeah. <laughs> like, it would be stupid, like, jackass stuff like that. It was really dumb. Like I said, it was weird. Like, it was Fear Factor before Fear Factor was a thing. Yeah. But it was inside of what was supposed to be haunted houses. But I remember so seeing that. Yeah. I thought I it was going to be like, hey, sh- here's, you get $500 if you punch a ghost in the face. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, you get, fu- you get $2 if you kill yourself right now with electric <laughs> like, wires. 
I thought it'd be funny though, like they actually capture something like amazing and jaw drop. He's like, oh my god, there is an afterlife. Looks at the card, I punch my dick. <laughs> <laughs> there is one, like someone said that like they they felt like they're legitimately having sex with the ghost on that show at one point in time. Like I only seen like one or two episodes of it, but I remember like even as a kid going like, this is fucking weird. <laughs> I don't think I would trust anyone who says they had sex with a ghost. That's another thing, like, because Dan Aykroyd was in the community a lot, like, in the scene in the movie where he gets that blowjob from the ghost in that dream sequence. Like, that's a phenomenon that people claim happens to them. Like, that's not just something he made up. Like, that's a whole no, that's a whole sect yeah, of, like, um, people that believe in ghosts and stuff. So, yeah. They go and they uh, go talk to the librarian. They give her, like, a psyche vow, whatever. Yeah. yeah cause... It's a really quick one. Like, it's just like, oh, you're not... Which kind of goes into the whole misogyny thing that you were talking about earlier, too, with those movies. Because, yeah, like, you haven't been drinking or doing any illicit drugs. Are you, Are you menstruating? Yeah. Which is one of my least favorite lines in the movie, and then one of my favorite comebacks in the movie, too. Because it's a really annoying setup, because it's just the menstruating thing, and like the way that the guy acts, he's like, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah. But then I really like Bill's Mur- Bill Murray's line of like, hey, back off, I'm a scientist. Yeah. Like, I've used that line so many times. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, after he does like, excuse me, I'm a scientist, and like, you know, they talk to her for a little bit, they go downstairs and start checking it and um why do i almost call him igor's name it's not igor egon egon uh egon like has this just like this little handheld thing that he's like just waving around and like it doesn't really explain what it is while he's doing it but you can tell that he's just like looking for the ghost and Mm -hmm. um they come across a stack of books which on the day the director just decided he wanted to put a stack of books in the way yeah without telling anybody so everybody's reactions to that is just them completely making everything up yeah, that sounds about right, especially with Bill Murray being the biggest smartass about that. Just like, perfect stack of books. Yeah, because people just don't stack books. Yeah. It is a tall stack of books, though. It's a it really is. tall stack of books. You wouldn't stack that books that high. And then they uh, they see the ghost. Yeah, yeah, and this actually took me really off guard, because there's just no buildup, actually, really. No, it just happened. It's like, just a, yeah, just a, it's not even like a scary-looking ghost. It's just like um, a silhouette of a woman reading a book. Yeah. Like, with how Bill Murray is, like, where he's like, a fucking ghost, obviously, no. And then just, there's a ghost, he's like, yeah, that's a ghost, what? I mean, you can't argue with it, you see the ghost. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, but it's just like, I think what it is, is I was uh, thinking it would be more similar to the remake. Well, the remake, it's this huge build-up to the ghost. Uh, yeah. And then this and one, it's very, just like, yeah, there's ghost, what? It's very anticlimactic, in a way. It's like, okay, well, we came here to see a ghost, and here's a ghost, which... I feel like would weirdly be a realistic approach to something like that compared to like a huge build up like they would do for, but I haven't seen the remake, but I'm guessing like you said, it's like there's probably a huge thing where if like, I saw real ghosts, I would lose my shit. Yeah. I've seen fake about? ghosts and I've lost my shit, <laughs> <laughs> but they, they went there saying like, Oh yeah, this is the real thing. We're actually going to see a ghost. Like, okay, well, there's a ghost. Ooh, but, but like talking about the remake here, I think that's what part of the problem of why the remake just fell off so much because this is eight minutes in the movie and you see the ghost you have the build-up of there's a ghost we're investigating ghosts they go they see the ghost they leave the library after the ghost scares them yeah in the remake that's like 25 minutes yeah and it's almost it's literally the same exact um setup and payoff there's a guy he's like giving a tour of this place yeah it's like a museum or whatever yeah and he sees a ghost he does the scream it does the intro thing ghostbusters and then that's like the first three minutes, and then it takes like another twenty-two minutes for them to go to that house to get to the ghost. And there's only two of them at the start. I'm pretty sure. 
there's two, they find a third, and then they get the fourth in the same way that they do in this one. They just hire her. Right. But also yeah. token black person, because classic. They have to they have to copy it. Yeah. I don't know. That's just uh, like a it, pacing thing yeah, that the remake say, sucks at. A... Um, so yeah, they're like, what do we do? Uh, let's just go up and when I say grab it, grab it. And they try, go yeah. scares them, and they run away. Yeah. Well, that, well, first what happens with that one is like, they're like, well, maybe we should try talking to her. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, ma'am. Shh. Okay, that didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, three, we grab her. And then they do like, yeah, three, we grab her. And then they start running towards her. And then she just like turns like this big demonic looking creature and they all run away screaming. Yeah. Um, which this is like one of those things. When I was a kid, that creature design like scared the crap out of me. I feel like in a weird way for at least for me and Drya, like claymation in general was just terrifying for it's us. Creepy. It yeah, is. Christmas must have been terrifying then. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> but like. I don't know. I, you are a scaredy cat, E. Did that design freak you out at all? Not really. I've seen worse. Huh. Okay. Man. So, but then remember, I'm a scaredy cat, but I also have been on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But yeah. I get that. Something that my question you've already is like, I still like a lot of like horror elements. I just can't handle it. Like, yeah, uh, you're so weird. My friend Peyton actually follows like a horror artist who likes to make like, uh, he'll take old photographs and then implement interesting things like one he just turned the face of one man upside down in a lot of them and like connected him to a bunch of like uh, crash scenes saying like this man's always seen at the time of crashes and stuff like that huh. and uh something that's been making its round on the internet a lot he's actually the creator of siren head Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. No idea what that is. It's a new it's monster. A, it's basically yeah. what it sounds like. It's like this tall creature with sirens yeah, as think its of, head. Think of huh. Slenderman, but with, or instead of like just a blank canvas for his head, it's two sirens that are making the, that broken siren sound. Huh. Also, funnily enough, in his work, Siren Head is actually a really peaceful creature. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so yeah. people just Siren Head really just reminds me of Pyramid Head, though. Yeah, that's all kind I'm thinking. Of, yeah. I think that's, yeah, like he's, he wears his inspiration on his sleeve a lot. And the reason I'll say, though, is because it's almost like a very similar figure to Pyramid Head, except you also associate Pyramid Head with the sirens from Silent Hill, and then he just has a big fucking siren on his head. <laughs> just skips the middle, man. But, uh, <laughs> anyways, not to not let this get too far, back to the movie, um, yes. They're out, they run out the library, they go back to the uh, college, uh, a scene I really like here, and just because it I just don't get it, but it's great. Is like they're all talking the sciencey stuff, and uh, Egon is like talking about his proton pack stuff. I think, mm-hmm. and like Bill Murray's just like, "No, you did good," and then just hands him a crunch bar. Yeah, it's yeah. A really weird. I don't understand it. And it's like this. It's just, like you can see like there's some sort of dynamic between them apparently about this. I feel like it's like a weird off-screen joke. Yeah, and they just put it in the movie because they thought it was funny. Yeah, and I just like it. Catch it's one of those things. It just catches you off guard, and you're like, "What?" Yeah. I think it's a randomness of the joke of like giving a dog a treat. Like you know, yeah. a dog sits down, you give him a little or a little dog bone to chew on, and I think and then the same thing. Like, oh, we caught a ghost. Here's a crunch bar. But like, you can actively see Harold Ramis, the guy who plays Egon. Yeah, you can like actively see his confusion about <laughs> <Yeah>. it too. <laughs> yeah, Bill Murray's like, "No, you earned it." And yeah. He's like. Yeah. Okay, I yeah. guess I get a crunch bar. Which <laughs> kind of makes me think, like, I don't know if it was actually written in the script, but it makes me feel like that just, like, Bill Murray just had a crunch bar on him and decided to put that in the movie. I, That's a Bill Murray move. Yeah, that yeah. is very much one of his moves. 
But yeah, so they get back to the college, and it turns out that they're being kicked out of the college. They're Damn. no longer being funded. Yeah. Because the uh, Mr. College Runner guy, Dean? The Dean. Yeah, the Dean. That's uh, what they're well, called. I don't know. It's a weird system. Dean's actually, like, in the middle. Oh. It gets higher. Board of Directors and stuff's up there. So the my college en- man. <laughs> so my entire uh, idea of how colleges are run is based off of community. So I feel like I don't have a very accurate representation. I, I always saw the dean of a college as kind of like the principal of the college. Yeah, in a weird dean, way. Dean, uh, dean. It's like a yes and no system. I guess more, it's like he's more like the face. Because like when yeah. I talk to professors about that, they're like, yeah, there's like two or three people above him, but no one really... You don't need to know about them because you're the at most you'll need the dean and you probably won't even need the dean that often. So this money man basically this money man tells them no more money for you. Yep. And they take all their equipment. Even off of their shoulders. Yeah. Which I thought was see, again, this is why I thought it would be more like the uh the re- remake. Cause like they took all the equipment. I was like, oh dang, they're d- they don't have the evidence of the ghosts anymore. <laughs> And no, the movie doesn't give a shit about that. It doesn't care. It's really just about, like, a movie about a bunch of people working a blue-collar job, and then something shitty happens. Yeah. I will... Can I say this about why I like this movie so much? And I feel like this is something that movies with really great potential fall into, is that... And this is even for movies that are trying to take themselves very seriously, is that you don't need to build everything up. A lot of stuff can be at the viewer's imagination, unless it's a super heavy plot hole, then it's really not a big deal. But the people who fall into the biggest plot holes are the ones who feel like they have to fucking set everything up in the first place. Yeah. And then they contradict themselves. And yeah. that's, that's why I think this movie works. It is not worried about those details. It's like, yeah, there's a fucking ghost. We clearly don't want to, it just focuses on what it wants to focus on. And I think it does it very well. Yeah. Like even one of the, yeah. I would argue one of the biggest jokes in the movie, the very end, the stay puffed marshmallow man, that literally has a five-second setup. You see one bag of yeah. Stay Puff marshmallows uh, at the scene at Dana's apartment, leaning yeah. against eggs. That's the only time you get reference. Nope, what... nope. It's on the side of a building. Oh, is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, there you go. That's one of the things. When you're not, you never seen the movie, you think this is like this huge thing, like the entire time. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to out myself, too. I thought that was just like a nickname people gave it. I thought it was the Michelin Man. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> So, yeah, like, I, I I did too actually. Yeah, so we're, like, we're both in that camp. Yeah, no, like, it's an actual marshmallow. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's just an in-universe brand. Well, I assume in-universe. I don't think those yeah. are real, right? No, yeah, no, they're not. The thing is, I never caught the reference on the side of the wall, nor the bag of marshmallows, and I it still was enough. Yeah, I didn't right. need that much. It's yeah, you focus on what you want to focus on, and then the, the that's where the inspiration yeah. comes from anyway. Well, yeah, and- you don't need to spend like you said with the remake twenty five minutes building up. It's not necessary. Yeah. Yeah. And like, honestly, with the Stay Puft Marshmallow bag that you see, the main thing you're focusing on is the fact that those are uh, the eggs in that scene are just cracking and boiling on her table. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's the main point of that. But if you look past that in the background, then you see that. And like, the only reason I saw that is because, once again, I've seen this movie, but it was a long time ago. And that's like the iconic scene at the end with the giant Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. That's why I noticed the bags. I was like, oh, hey, it's a little foreshadowing, if you will. Yeah. And I noticed it because I'm more interested in food than women, so I was just looking there anyways. <laughs> so here's something that I thought was interesting. I that's I didn't know about this because there's like a lot of fun facts you hear rolling around about this movie, right? But something that I didn't know about this until recently, uh, doing research for this, was that this movie had such an insane amount of time, or maybe not an insane amount of time. This movie had such short amount of time 
from pitch to in theaters. Really? Does anybody want to take a guess of how long it went from pitch to in theaters? Six months. That's that's too short. Oh. 18 months. Too much. Damn. Seven months. Ten months. 13. Okay. <laughs> it was 13 months from pitch to release date in theaters. So here's the other thing that's crazy about that. During pitch, they didn't have a script. There was literally <laughs> nothing done on this movie except for that they had people that they wanted on cast. And like they're like, if we get these people, then we can do this movie. If we, if we aren't allowed this cast... We have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> um, and so thankfully the studio's like, okay, we'll, we'll give you the cast you want. Uh, how much do you want to make it for? And then the director came out and he's like, well, I just got done doing stripes. That cost $10 million. So if this is three stripes, then I need $30 million? But he had no idea how much money he needed because there's no <laughs> script. Um, and they're like, just okay, here's it. $30 million. Uh, make the movie, but here's the thing. We need it June of next year. Which was thirteen, which was thirteen months away. Oh yeah. So, so in that time, they had to get the cast, they had to write the script, they had to build the sets, do all that stuff. So they yeah. didn't even have a visual effects um, studio because at the time there was one studio, one Industrial Light and Magic. That was it, and they were booked throughout all of that time doing other projects. Oh, fuck. Um, they were working on a Star Wars movie at the time, I think it was, or no, no, they were working on a Spielberg movie. That's they were working on the newest Spielberg, Jurassic Park. I'm not sure no, what it, it was. I feel like that would have been around the time of E.T., but I'm not sure. It was either E.T. or, like, Close Encounter or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, um, but they were working on that, and so Columbia Pictures gave $5 million to Richard Endland to create an FX house for this movie. That's amazing. So that they could get the effects done, because they literally had no idea of what they needed or wanted or what it would cost. So basically, they just got a blank check for $30 million, or I guess not a blank check, a check for $30 million on a blank project and said, figure something out by June. It Except it wasn't even figure something out. They just straight up lied to the studio <laughs> that they had stuff. And they had $30 million and they had to figure it out. Nice. Um, so like literally directly after the pitch meeting, Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, and the director all went over and hung out in Dan Aykroyd's basement for like three weeks and just wrote the script. Because he had like a, almost like a beachside house. You could see the ocean from his house. So they're like, if we don't rate this in the basement, we're going to see the beach and we're not going to get this script done. <laughs> what? Like literally, they just wouldn't want to do it. And so Fair they enough. locked themselves in a basement to do it. Kind of like, if we want out of this basement, we got to write this movie. <laughs> yeah, and like, they had an idea, like there was a rough draft of what the movie was. The original pitches, it was going to be in the future. Ghostbusters was like a giant corporation, and there's a bunch of Ghostbusters. And the Stay Puft part actually would have, would have happened in the original script 20 minutes in. Hmm. Sounds more like the cartoon. Yeah, so like the director said, like the very, very first idea of the script that they had would have cost them $300 million at that time <laughs> from how many effect shots they would have needed, um, which is like almost a billion, like, no, that'd be like a $700, a $700 million movie nowadays, um, which is in fucking sane. Yeah. So yeah, they had to change all of that. Uh, Harold Ramis came in and helped write it, and he's the one who kind of put in the blue collar stuff and put in like the, they're just dudes working the job. And he's kind of the reason that Dan Aykroyd gives to it being like a more grounded movie. Uh, one thing I did come across is that John Belushi was originally supposed to play Dan Aykroyd's part in this movie. Until he passed away. Yeah, but he passed away, and so Dan Aykroyd ended up having to play the part, and that was also another big change in the script is because they didn't have their lead actor anymore. Uh, it wasn't that it was going to be Jim Belushi instead of Dan Aykroyd. It was going to be Dan Aykroyd and Jim Belushi. Oh, okay. And then Jim Belushi passed away, and then that's when Bill Murray stepped in. Okay. He was just going to write it originally then? Uh, yeah, it was the role was written for him. Uh, in case you don't know who he is, he was an, he was basically the star of Animal House. It doesn't matter. He was very popular at the time. Yeah. So, since we're speaking about this now, uh, another role 
that was supposed to go to another character. Uh, John Candy was supposed to play another role in this movie. Uh, the geek guy played oh. by uh, Little Shop of Horrors man. Yeah. Uh, Rick Moranis. Thank you. Uh, yeah, he was uh, the character that Rick Moranis played, the geek guy. Um, that was going to be John Candy. That was their like first pitch for him. And he was like, he apparently just didn't get the character at all. And so like, he was like, I don't understand. Like, can I use a German accent? Like, no, that's not really the character we're going for. He's like, can I wear a dog outfit? Nope. What? Can't, you can't do that, John Candy. That's not the character we wrote here. He's like, I don't understand this character. I'm not going to do it. It's like, can I just be naked the whole time? And they're like, no, what do you? <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. So like the director said, like, once it was clear, he was not going to sign on to this movie. He was just like, fuck it, whatever. He hung up on him. That day, he called Rick Moranis. Within two hours of calling Rick Moranis and sending him the script, Rick Moranis signed on. And he said to send a thank you letter to John Candy for passing on the role. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, where were we even in the movie? Uh, that's whenever Peter and Ray are talking, and they're drinking some unknown liquid in this tan bottle. And it's probably a brewski or something. Yeah, it's some sort of... Some whiskey know, or something. Really but like talking about what they're going to do at this point forward, and Peter's like, you know what? We should just open up our own business. He's like, but we don't have any money. He's like, don't worry about that. And so they go, and Ray ends up having to be, uh, or Peter talks Ray into taking out a third mortgage on his home that his parents gave him, and that's how they start the business. Yeah. And a a line here that's hilarious to me, uh, Egon is like, oh, yeah, with interest, that's going to be 98000 For five years, yeah. Yeah, for five years. I was like, I was just like, God, I wish I could pay that. <laughs> it's a lot of money still. It's yeah. a lot of money. But yeah, I get what you mean. For a house, that's well, especially around here, because like, I think houses in this area like average like $250,000. Like, even with inflation, that'd probably still be a steal for... Well, I don't know what this house looks like. Well, that, yeah. But also, like... But nevertheless, a third mortgage on a house. Like, I think that's part of the joke, though, too. It's yeah. just like, it's like, I don't know, my parents gave me that house. Don't worry, everybody has a third mortgage these days. Yeah. And so they find the firehouse, and uh, Peter and Egon are trying to like talk it down because they want to get a better deal. And then Ray, of course, loves it and slides down the pole in this firehouse. Um, another fun fact here, the outside of the firehouse is a real firehouse in New York, still functioning. You can go and look at it, but, but they're a firehouse, so like don't sit there. They have <laughs> stuff to do. And then the, uh, the inside of it is of a firehouse. I think they said it was in L.A. as well. Um both firehouses were actually built in the same year, coincidentally. Huh. Hmm. Which is weird. It's just yeah. odd. So, yeah, they get the firehouse. And apparently, um, Dan Aykroyd, the guy who played Ray, that was basically his actual reaction <laughs> to the fire pole when they first got to that firehouse. It was basically like, guys, look, a pole! And he just fucking slid down it. It's like, anytime you see him sliding down the pole, that's them actually just sliding down the fireman pole. That's kind of my reaction to, like, a fireman pole, too. Just like, whoa! It would be super fun. Yeah. I w- I'm afraid I'd fuck it up, though. I wouldn't want one in my house, because I'd probably, like, wake up one morning and then tr- go- try to go downstairs and forget how fire poles work and then just walk <laughs> off. Just fall down the pole. Yes. <laughs> and then I'd probably die, so, you know, it's not a very good trade-off yeah, here. that's not a bad trade. That's a bad trade. But yeah, and then you get to see Dana, um, played by... Jessica Olsen. No, nope. not even close. Sigourney Weaver. Uh, Dana played by Sigourney Weaver. She has a bunch of groceries, gets out of a taxi, goes into her apartment. And that's when you get the uh, the state puff thing, and you see the eggs yeah. uh, crack and which, boil onto the countertop. You really also cool. meet her neighbor, Lewis, really quick, which, you know, just kind of goes up and, like, just keeps talking to her. And she's like, okay, I'm just trying to get back into my house. And he's yeah. just 
trying to hold the conversation. She doesn't want one. He's like, Hey, how about we go on a date? He's like, Oh, you know, maybe, maybe later. Just I, trying to get home. Okay, cool. Like, well, let me know. I'll call you later. Oh man. I locked myself out of my house. Yeah. I was really worried. I wasn't going to like this character, but I think he does get better each time. He, he, he's, he does. he's an adorable character. He's just an adorable person. Rick Morandis. I feel like he is another very um, charismatic person. Which is why he get got the roles that he got in the eighties and nineties. He does he, seems, was actively yeah, he working. plays a lot of those kinds of characters though. Yeah, they're really creepy with women. Yeah, I, I feel like that was just kind of a weird stereotype with misogyny in the nineteen eighties. Like it was. But see, it this was is okay what confused me because when I watched that movie, I thought Bill Murray was a thousand times more misogynist oh, than him. Oh, so yeah, he was definitely. Uh-huh. Like that's part of why I said Bill Murray's my favorite and least favorite parts of the movie. He's yeah. great when he's just this super dry like every man yeah but also i hate him when he's ever near a woman because <laughs> that's the thing he's uh he's a cynical every man amongst other men until he gets around women then he's a misogynistic every man in the 80s but that Which, was the every man yeah in the probably. 80s. that was every man it, it was <laughs> kind of was yeah but uh um, yeah he didn't strike me as misogynist as much as just he doesn't really get that she doesn't want to talk to him and he keeps just a guy who doesn't get a clue He's very similar to the little gremlin man. What's his in the what's his name in the movie? Spike? What? No, Zool? not literally gremlin like oh. the <laughs> the small man. Which one? Little shop of horrors man. Like the shop owner? Like the guy the from Little Shops he... of Horrors. What is his character's name? Seymour? Suddenly Seymour. Yeah, Seymour. Yeah. In this movie. Oh. <laughs> He feels like, okay, so you're saying you feel like Seymour and Lewis are the same character is what you're saying. No, I'm saying Lewis and Bill Murray have a very similar dynamic. It's just Bill Murray's not like oh, that okay, personality, so mean. for some reason he gets away with it. Okay, yeah. I see what you mean now. Because he's No, I'm still confused. <laughs> <laughs> so we take the quantum theory and <laughs> it took so long to get there because you guys just didn't Sorry. understand what I was trying to do. I apologize for that. No, that, don't that apologize. Was, that was more painful than me. it had yeah, that no, that was just more painful for all of us than it had to be because you were just trying to explain to us what you're trying to, you know, tell us about it and we are just not getting it. <laughs> I still don't get it. What are you talking about? <laughs> confused. He he's basically saying that um that Peter and Lewis are the same character in a sense. It's just that since Peter is more charismatic and taller and Bill Murray, he gets away with it more than um than Rick Moranis yeah, like his character how does. They, how they treat women is Yeah, very like they similar. both treat them the same way. It's just that Bill Murray's character gets away with it more, is what he's saying. I'm no see that's what confuses me because Rick Moranis' character in this does he actually say anything sexist, or is he just clingy and he's just gets, clingy he, and creepy? Yeah, he's just clingy and creepy. Yeah, Bill Murray's pretty clingy well, and creepy. Bill Murray was too. saying all kinds of sexist shit. Yeah, yeah. he's worse. But he was being clingy I would argue about he's worse. it too. So that's where I'm confused because <laughs> he's just a creepy. He's just a short, short little creepy dude. But imagine someone like that that doesn't talk like that with women, but with other guys. That's how I was looking at it, you know. And in that sense, he's just a. Because I know people like that. No joke. And we're going to have to edit this out. You know who he reminds me of? Oh, my God. Him. <laughs> okay. I still don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> just I wicked... worked with him. Yeah. Oh, wow. I forgot he existed. That was. Yeah, he was creepy. Oh, no. Yeah, you unearthed still... something unholy in Jiraiya. <laughs> I just forgot he existed. That was weird. Yeah. But, yeah, but... doesn't that dude remind you of that? Yes. Yes. You want to think is like 
sexually creepy. He's just a weird. He's just person weird. Gets, yeah. 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 That's how I looked at this character. I'm on Rocky's side now. Okay. I, th- I don't know. Like, <laughs> I have to cut he's... all of that out and yeah. then just put, I'm on Rocky's side now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. To me, it just seems like he like really wants to get with this girl. And that's yeah, why he... it's that way to me. No, he does. Cause, yeah, like... No, he does. He definitely does. But he doesn't have, he doesn't have any finesse. He doesn't have any of the in- inner mechanisms to like be um, a decent human being romantic or even um what would you say bill murray's character like even though he's charismatic 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 yeah but you you would but that was like the 80s cliche of suave back then right yeah he he's that with none of the mechanisms so he's just like a little fucking slug pillow (laughs) that sticks to you sure (laughs) yeah so uh this this slug of a human being (laughs) is He's the neighbor that yeah. always locks himself anyway, out. Anyway, yeah, Rick Moranis, like, he has a running joke in the movie that I really liked where he just always locks himself out of his apartment. Every time. If he leaves his apartment, he locked himself out. It's just a really dumb running joke that I like in the movie. Anyways, after, like, the, you know, Dana comes home, she talks to, the, talks to her neighbor, gets inside. We see the Stay Puft Marshmallow while there's eggs boiling on her counter, and she's, like, is kind of creeped out at what's happening right there. She also happened to see the Ghostbusters on TV, and she opens up the fridge and sees that there's just like a new dimension inside of her fridge for whatever reason. And there's just like some creature dog that looks at her and screams out Zool. Yeah. And so that freaks her out. She eventually goes over to the Ghostbusters place. Uh, they find their hearse at some point. It's not really yeah. that important. Uh, goes over to the Ghostbusters place and asks them about that. Obviously, uh, Peter Venkman is super excited once he hears female words. Well, because like she comes in, she's like, Hey, this is the Ghostbusters. Right. And like talks to the secretary up front. And then Peter just cut like he, jumps over the little door, the swinging door handle that they have there, and, like, to go talk to her. Like, oh, I got this, I got this, I got this. Which he almost fucking eat shit right Yeah, like, you can see his feet hit the bottom of it. You can even hear it. Yeah. (laughs) It would have been funnier if he did eat shit and he just got back up like nothing happened. I'm sorry to, like, go back, but, like, there's this weird scene with the secretary where, like, she talks to Bill Murray, he leaves, and then fucking Egon comes up from under her desk and then walks around, and then they start talking. I'm just like, why was he under her desk? Why not? Why are you asking questions? <laughs> Let it, it was, be. It was either a weird sexual thing, or it was like, because she had all that computer equipment, and he's like, hey, how about you try typing, because we have all this expensive equipment for you, and none of it's on, so maybe he was like hooking it up. He's either hooking it up for her, or he was going down on her. I'll say- it totally strikes me as a weird sexual thing when you first see him pop up, and as the rest of the scene takes place, it's very clear. Yeah. It's not a weird sexual thing. Yeah, like thing. he was like literally like plugging in her computer parts for her or something. Oh, like, Egon is like me- Nothing is sexual with yes. he's Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly, yeah. Like, the secretary hits on him the entire movie. Yeah. And he's like, I oh, don't... that's nice. No, you know, he's like, oh, uh, yeah, I don't read. What was it? Prince dying. Yeah, yeah Prince is dying. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's neat. I read all the time. I'm quite an intellectual. And he's like, okay. Like, do you, are, do you, are you intellectual at all? What do you do? Uh, I, collect, I collect moss and stuff. Fungus. And fungus. Spores, moss yeah. and fungus. <laughs> Just the most unattractive thing you could possibly yeah. say to another human. Well, yeah, sorry. We could go. So, yeah. Uh, so Dana's there asking about stuff. Uh, they hook her onto the brain machine to see her brain. Which is another practical effect, actually. Uh, Dang, it was just an that... MRI. It was an actual MRI? No, like not an MRI, <laughs> but the thing they attached to her head, like that was an actual scan of what was happening in her head. But yeah, nothing is abnormal with her. Eventually, Peter agrees to go to her house. 
Not to actually check anything out because he wants to hit on her. Yeah. Once they're there, he hits on her a whole bunch. Gross man. That's what yeah. he does. And doesn't just, find any. It's actually, it's actually very gross. And it, the problem is, have you seen like those like te- like texts like they'll show like like men hitting on women like the text and super cringe. Oh it yeah. It sounds like they took like a pre course from Bill Murray, <laughs> like the behavior. And kind of because like mean, on top of him hitting on her, like also she's like, okay, get out of my house, and then he like keeps on trying to say something to her as he's leaving the house kind of thing. Like, like, Oh yeah, you'll see, you'll rule the day that you turned me down and and like, okay, get out of my fucking house. The, uh, Hey, you shopped at the store and I think you're really cute. Like that whole thing. Yeah. That, like they sometimes show people do. That's what you totally did. This is yeah. supposed to be no, that's fucking work. That's why people do that. Cause they watch stuff like this and think this is normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're probably right. Actually. But anyway, he gets turned down. Doesn't find any paranormal activity there, obviously. He sees the eggs that are just like on her counter. He's like, why does she have cooked or sunny side up eggs just sitting on her counter? This is weird. Which I have a feeling it's just rubber that they had sitting there. Because he's like 100% rubber. Yeah, because yeah. he was like just sitting there flopping it back he and forth. He probably was like, just having fun. Yeah, I think he was just sitting there like yeah. pushing it back and forth. Like, okay, this is fun. But yeah, it doesn't see anything paranormal. Like they said, uh, yeah. keeps on hitting on her, even though she's like, you know, get the fuck out of my house. And he, he just keeps on pushing, keeps on pushing. And then, like, he says, like, we'll research Zool and see what we can find on that. And then kind of moves on from there. And then later on, uh, they're all just kind of sitting there. And they're celebrating, like, our first and only customer. And, like, hey, like, you know, since she's going to be my girlfriend, I need to, you know, take some of the petty money, I think is what he's... Not petty money. Yeah, he's like, I need to take some of the petty money that we still have left. To uh, take her out. Yeah, to take her out on dinner. And, like, well, I think we're eating the last of the petty money right now while they're looking at the Chinese food that they're eating. Which I think back in the 1980s was considered to be cheap food. Actually, that's a weird thing that the remake does. Like, like Chinese food was just a consistent thing, and I don't get why. Because they eat Chinese food. I guess. In the original. <laughs> that's literally it. Yeah. Fair enough. But yeah, then they get the call uh, saying, like, hey, like we got a ghost that you got to take care of. So they all slide down the fireman pool, get ready, and they go to a hotel. Yeah. Shows them driving in, fa- in fast, forward, fast forward motion. Because the car is actually not moving that fast. Going to this hotel and then like going in saying that they're going to be super discreet. And then the first thing Bill Murray's character says, it's like, well, you're here to hunt some ghosts. Where are the ghosts at? Yeah. So the concierge or whatever is like, yep, uh, 12th floor, which is I really expected to be 13th floor, but maybe they just didn't want to be that obvious. Maybe. But yeah, it, they did like the whole trope of like, oh, yeah, it's on the 12th floor. And usually the staff doesn't talk about it, but, you know, it's something that everyone knows about. And we're hoping you guys can take care of this for us because it's been getting out of control lately. So they go up. There's like a scene where they're like uh, one of the tenants is like, what What are you guys? And they're like exterminators. What? Yeah, there's yep. a big cockroach, old cockroach up there. Cockroaches will eat your head off. They get up to the 12th floor and they're like, oh, whoa, we don't even know if these proton packs work. And then they walk, and then a cleaning lady comes out of the room and startles them, so they shoot her. So there's a couple of really fun things about this. All the hotel stuff, um, when it was transferred like over to TV stuff, Harold Ramos was saying that you can't see him in most of the shots because he's off to the side for most of them. So all the TV stuff took their wide lenses and oh, cut and they, it down yeah, they just cut the sides three. off. <laughs> And so, like, in all the side stuff, you hear him talking, you don't see him. <laughs> because they just cut the film on both yeah. sides instead of compressing it down to four by three. They didn't even bother to do the thing a lot where they actually move it around so you know who's talking. Nope. nope. And then in the elevator scene, they just cut right down the middle so you see half of their faces. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. Yeah, so they do that, and the cleaning lady's like, what the hell? Yeah, because they legitimately set her cart on fire. And then they just apologize like it was no big deal. 
And then Peter's like, sorry, I thought it was someone else. Also, like, Which it's just, a, like, like, no one, like, actually cares in this movie. No. no. A, like, you, she just got shot at by fucking proton lasers or whatever they call them. And she's like, oh, how rude. <laughs> and then eventually Ray's like, you know what, we need to split up, we need to find this thing. And w- another really, really great line. It's probably one of my favorite lines in the movie. It's like, yeah, because we can do more damage separately. And it's crazy, because that line's so, like, ingrained in culture. Yeah, it's everywhere. To the point where it doesn't even, we use it. In senses that don't make sense with the context of it actually was used. Yeah, that's how that's how much that movie was quoted. That line was quoted. There's tons yeah. of those lines in this movie too. Yeah, so they split up. Uh, then first, uh, what's this? Dan Dan Aykroyd or whatever his character Ray, Ray finds a ghost and it's eating all the food and he's like, ah, it's a ghost and the ghost sits there and then he shoots the ghost. But he misses. He misses and sets the wall on fire. And then, so this, it's a, this movie just loves violence, basically. So, like, <laughs> the ghost is apparently dragging the food cart, and then it fucking hits the wall and, like, explodes. It's like, how powerful what? it is, man. <laughs> it was a very 80s thing to just have, or 80s and 90s, I should say, to just have things explode randomly. Mm-hmm. But it eventually goes to Peter, and then another classic scene goes towards him, and he gets slimed, because yeah. Slimer just goes right through him. And then, like, that just wasn't a thing. That's the type of ghost it was? That's his name. That's a name? Yeah, his name is Slimer. When did they say that? That's just what his name is. Like, probably in the credits it says that his name's Slimer, huh? That's just what everybody calls him, so that's what he's called. Huh. But yeah, I think with that, like, I think they kind of felt like it was going to be a more serious thing, because it's just like, whenever Peter sees him, he's just like, oh, or hey, Ray. It's like, hey, I just saw the ghost. He just went through the wall. Yeah, he's standing right here. Yeah. And he's like, all right, going to be there in a second. And then, like, the ghost starts coming towards him, like, doing the whole thing towards him and he screams and you think it's going to be more serious until you go over there and see him he's just like laying on the floor covered yeah. in slime going he, he slimed the, me he won the nickelodeon choice award it's crazy. <laughs> they turned being slimed into a verb like they were the first ones that is fair nickelodeon didn't exist yet yeah yeah they coined the term they coined so many things <laughs> yeah he gets slimed right there and then they get um fuck, why do i want to keep calling him igor <laughs> egon egon <laughs> i don't know why I want to put that R on there instead of the N at the end of it. You got Frankenstein. Yeah, it, <laughs> Frankenstein. <Aww. laughs> anyways, goes to him and he's using his little radar to try to detect ghosts and he's using it on like all the things, including a guy who's just trying to get into his room and he just gets uncomfortably close to him See, and, start, and like starts trying to scan him with This it. makes me think it actually just detects oldness because it did go up as he was doozing it on the person. But eventually they go out on the ballroom because that's where they figure out where the ghost is. And they're like, oh, okay, we're going to go down the ballroom. And they, like, tell the hotel manager guy, like, we're going to go in here. We're going to lock the door. Don't come in. We got this. <laughs> yeah. And here's a fun thing. They actually shot this part in a hotel ballroom. Oh, no. While the hotel was active. <laughs> so they were shooting all of this destruction stuff. And there actually were just people outside being like, what the fuck is going on in there? Nice. So, yeah, they said, like, people must have been freaking out so much. Because yeah, because they were. They were just destroying the fuck out of this room. They're flipping over tables. They're breaking the porcelain. They're setting the walls on Peter fire. Peter tries to do the thing uh, where you pull the tablecloth. Yeah, he's like, I've he always can't. wanted to do this, and pulls a tablecloth, and just, like, everything falls off of it and breaks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they completely destroy a crystal chandelier. Which they added the chandelier there. Okay. Because uh, they didn't just destroy a chandelier in their own hotel. They okay. put that one in. And eventually, they do catch Slimer after Egon tells them not to cross the streams, of course. That's yeah. very I important. That very that important. F- don't. As no, or, well, he he does say that he's like it's like something really important I need to tell you guys. Just don't never cross the streams. Like, oh, well, why? Think about your dis- our atoms all being combined into one and being created and destroyed at the same exact time. 
and like the end of the world happening. And yeah. Peter's like, all right, all right, cool, good safety tip, good safety tip, let's get this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they trap him in a cool trap that they don't explain, but it doesn't matter because this trap. movie just yeah. does that. It, it's just a ghost trap. It is interesting how this movie can't just be like, yeah, don't cross the streams because your atoms will combine into one and then turn into a black hole. And it's just like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, and by that point, we're like, I guess that's true. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Like, the movies are like, yeah, here's Ghost, and you use nuclear power to fight him. So at that point, you're like on board, basically. Yeah, it's like, I think the way that they pull it off of like you being so on board with it is because it starts off so realistic. It's just two, it's just a, three professors working at a college, and they're doing bad, dumb experiments, and like the library thing doesn't feel like that big of like a big scare thing. And then like you get to see them doing the boring stuff of like starting a business, having to find a place, having yeah. to get a loan. And so when it gets to, like, the really ridiculous stuff like this, you're, like, bought in already. You're like, I guess they're real people. They do all the boring real people stuff. I think it's more that they aren't trying to sell you on its realism. So you're able to jump into that reality. Yeah. yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It, it, it fits. If, if they were, if they started the movie and very quickly saw it was, like, a circle jerk, it's like, see how realistic <laughs> we make things? Then you would be way more critical. But that was that was actually established, again, when we talked about the ghost in the beginning. About how there was no build up. Like, yeah, this movie's a fucking ghost. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So it's. It lets you paint your own picture in a sense. Is. Like, it gives yeah. you just enough info to know what's going on, and then it lets you fill in the rest of the gaps. Like with the grant earlier, when you're saying, like, they don't have to explain it, they're just losing all their money. Like, you could just put it into, like, well, they're a paranormal investigators at a college, and the college looked at their funds and went, like, why are we funding this? Get rid of them. Like, you could just fill that in with yourself. That's not a part of the movie, but you can just. Write that as your own little thing. Again, so. that's why the remake sucks. That is the part that fills in those 25 minutes between that first opening scene and then them going to the museum in the remake. That's what it's filled in. Like, her getting fired, her trying to figure out what she's doing with her life. Like, it's just, it's bad pacing. It's right. boring. And yeah, that's the thing is, sometimes it's good to, like, fill in the gaps and, like, let people know, like, why something is happening so you don't have these huge plot holes. But it's also good to just leave a little bit of um, leave room so that way... You can just let someone paint in their own picture for what they're doing. Uh, the problem is the plot holes come with the more plot you give it, right? Right. Some of the times the most successful movies don't give you enough plot for you to pick apart. Yeah. Just... I feel like this is one of this is one of those movies. There's not enough plot to be like, well, I did, you know. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah, like, it's, it's like it's not enough. It just, there. Yeah. Well, it's because like it leaves those questions, but it it kind of leaves those questions in a way that you can just fill it in with your own idea of like this is yeah. why I think this happened. But more importantly, they blatantly don't don't matter. They yeah. don't waste any screen time trying to convince you of anything. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this is what we fucking do. <laughs> yeah, we gotta get a loan for this goddamn place. You know how it is. Like, it's not... I think it is. Yeah. We're trying to run a business. What else do you expect? Moving on. Yeah, it's it really is like a telling of how Hollywood has shifted because a lot Hollywood, as evident with the remake again, the remake focuses a ton on the actual building of all these. Yeah. weapons and it's like who gives a shit yeah nobody cares like they just did it yeah yeah <laughs> like it is really telling when the biggest thing i was like why does that happen is someone's under a desk <laughs> that is my biggest like why <laughs> when in a movie about ghosts again, flying yeah. around and them trapping them in a box and what's great about that though is that's what they were selling to you they wanted you to be like what the fuck yeah. so they d it did exactly what it was supposed to and i think really what what it is is you had a, a a couple of people who just wanted wanted just sheer creativity, having fun with this thing, and they captured that, and that's what you're following. Yeah, you know, and I think that's why it works. Yeah. Speaking of capture, they capture the ghost. Uh, the there's a back and f 
about the segue. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking solid. There's a little back and forth between concierge. He's like, uh, Bill Murray's like, oh yeah, five thousand dollars, and he's like, I'm not paying that. Okay, we'll just release this guy. And he's like, no, 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 okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And then again, it's something that caught me off guard. Bam! The Ghostbusters are huge now. Yeah, yeah. they're big. It, it's kind of just like, another thing that was famous with the '80s and '90s is they just kind of montage them becoming yeah. a bigger name. Because it doesn't it doesn't matter how they got big. They got yeah. big. Yeah. Because yeah. like, that's the important part. Exactly. Yeah, we fucking got big. You know how we do. I don't I don't like that bring up the remake so much. Because like that's another thing the remake does dumb is like they do this thing where, oh no, you can't know there's ghosts. When it's like Yeah. No shit, there's ghosts, clearly, when people need help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like clearly what this whole thing is about. And then oh dang, Dana's like, oh yep, those sure are ghostbusters there. Yep, yeah. they do all that stuff. You get the ghost blow job that we talked about earlier. Yeah, I hate it. Which is just least favorite just, scene in the yeah, movie. It's just added in there really randomly. It's just super weird. I think it was just that Dan. Is Ac- such a, that is very weird. Yeah. I think it's just Dan Aykroyd wanted to cross his eyes and make like that dumb orgasm face. Yeah. He just wanted to have sex that with the ghost. That was the best part of that part, though, was that face. Yeah, yeah. It's like a lot of work went into making that stupid ass. Face. <laughs> <laughs> So, and then they're interviewing for a new Ghostbuster because they're fucking busy. Yeah. Because yeah. they're open 24-7 with just the three of them. Yeah. And you get the which, token black Ghostbuster. Which comes in super late in the movie and basically doesn't affect anything. I don't know. I feel like he's just as, like, Ghostbuster as the other Ghostbusters. So the thing that hurts it, which I think is what the second one does best, is because, spoiler, I guess, he's just in the second one. Um, <laughs> spoiler, he exists. Yeah. I think... He's much better in the second one. Okay. Because you get to know him better already. Whereas in this one, like, you have 45 minutes of movie to where you've gotten to know these three, and then suddenly here's somebody else that you're supposed to just carry along and be part of the group. See, I didn't... Maybe it's just my sense of time's fucked. I didn't think it was actually that late in the movie to introduce him. He gets introduced at the same time that the environmental protection character gets introduced. Yeah, and that's 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 more than halfway through the movie. Maybe it's because that... But the environmental... I guess on that tangent... There's environmental protection, and he's like, yo, you guys fucking with the power grid or whatever, and this is dangerous. And they're like, and Bill eh, Murray's like, eh. fuck off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, fine, I'm going to get a warrant. Like, okay, yeah. fine, get a warrant. Because he's like, listen, like, well, the thing is, is he's being an, like, he's being the usual bureaucratic asshole that you see in a lot of Hollywood movies. To be fair, he kind of has a point. This could be very dangerous. Yeah. Oh, it's 100% dangerous. Yeah. That's unquestionable. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that happens. Uh, the new Ghostbuster... I, I always forget his name. Winston. Winston. Okay, so yeah, Winston is the new Ghostbusters. And uh, the secretary's like, yo, when am I going to replace me? And he's like, yup. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing I like about him getting hired is the interview process is she's interviewing him. And then they walk in and he's like, hey, nice to meet you guys. He's like, uh, what are you willing to do? I'll do whatever. You're hired. You can start right now. And they literally just start training well, they- him right now. They also make it clear, like this, this, this guy has very this. This is a dude looking for a job, and also what you're talking about about making it for like the typical blue collar worker is that's what they made him. Yeah. He's like, do you believe in this stuff? He's like, look, I'll believe in whatever you want me to <laughs> as do. long yeah. as you give me a steady paycheck. <laughs> he's great. Yeah. I actually really like him. Like especially as a foil to the three Ghostbusters. He's for... definitely the straight man. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so the the goal isn't to make him relatable to the other three. The goal was to make those three relatable to the blue collar worker. Yeah. Because they look at him like, yeah, do you want a fucking job? Yeah, here's a job. And that was <laughs> yeah. It didn't it didn't matter that he wasn't qualified, interested in like Paris psychology and shit. That wasn't yeah. the purpose. It's a good point. Good point. So yeah, hire that, and then the environment protection guys here. 
Peter just tells him to fuck off basically yeah. after an argument. Again, he just fucks off for most of the movie. Yeah. Yep. And he, no, he's he there. He's there for like a weird plot convenience towards the end of the movie. So they when they're showing Winston how to use the storage, basically, this is the only time they ever say Slimer in this movie. So that's just the type of ghost he is, and it's his name then? It's just his name. He basically yeah. becomes a mascot. Ah. Uh, he's apparently in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Right? They don't even actually say his name in this movie. But he's a weird, fat, fucking green goblin, and it's just weird to look at his ass, and it's weird. And I literally mean his ass. Like, I spent, I paused the movie to look at this ghost's ass. Yeah, I don't know if that's, like, in the credits as Slimer. If it was fans that called him Slimer, then they eventually adopted the name, because that's on right. all of his marketing for, like, collectibles and everything now. Uh, again, it's just they list three types of ghosts, and one of them is Slimer, but many ghosts slime, according to this movie. Cause Almost all have- of them. Yeah, so I don't... I don't know. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't have an answer for you. Fair enough. But yeah, like, after that, it does go back to Dana, doesn't it? Uh, Peter meets Dana outside of her rehearsal, because in yeah, one of the, in the montage, we see that she plays a... Uh... Cello or violin. Yeah, she's a... Cello. Cello? Yeah, cello. Cello is the, the giant. She's a professional musician, basically. Yeah. And he meets her out there, and he just hits on her a bunch until she eventually agrees to go on a date with him. Also, there's also makes an... fun of her friend a little bit. Well, he's a weird character, because, like, Lewis, and they just needed a Lewis that's also had a reason to be here. Yeah, it kind of feels that way. Because, like, he he doesn't, he fucks off for the rest of the movie. Yeah. And his first, like, his one thing he does is, like, he gets a nails, nasal spray and puts it up his nose. And again, that's, like, a very Lewis kind of thing, because yeah. he's a nerd. So, I don't know. It, if It's weird. Bill Murray's super creepy and is like, I'm not going to let you not have me over on Thursday. And so she eventually agrees, and then, bam. So she goes home, actually, and there is an interaction between uh, Rick Moranis' character, uh, Vesley? Lewis. <laughs> That's not even a name. What? He, he played Seymour, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I, yeah, that, I thought, I spaced out and <laughs> I had gotten lost in what we're talking It's because yeah. we can't ever remember this character's name in yeah. this movie. But yeah, Lewis hits on her a bench and gets locked outside his apartment again. It's He invites her to a party that's yeah, going to be Yeah, because he's going. having a party at his house and he wants to invite her. And she's like, oh, well, I have a date later. And he's like, oh, he can come too. Yeah. Well, he's having the party at that point. Yeah. yeah. He invited her early in the movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. So the party's already going on at that point. And he's like, well, he can come over too. And she's like, okay, great. She goes inside, gets a call from her mom. And this is another part as a kid. It kind of is an adult. It's kind of a creepy visual too. Um demon arms pop out of the chair that she's on and hold on to her and spin her around and then Zool a door slam open from the kitchen slams open and it's Zool there and then the chair goes and goes into that room the visual of the arms fucked me up as a kid oh really yeah like that was super fucking creepy as a kid to me yeah as a kid I could see that being creepy so that didn't creep me out (laughs) I think I was just a bitch as a kid (laughs) No, there is a scene, though, that does creep me out in this, but once once we get there, it's actually Sigourney Weaver's character makes some weird fucking faces that... Oh, like when she's possessed and, like, all weird and rapey? Yeah, but she, her face, she does, like, like when he's calling, um, once wants to talk talk to her, and the creature's like, this is not here. If you look at her face, she's, like, doing some weird, weird yeah, shit. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, dang, uh, Dana got possessed, and then Peter shows up, basically. Not yet. It uh, goes into yeah. uh, what's his face, uh, Lewis? Lewis's apartment, right? And he's party. just doing the party thing, and he, we learn that his party isn't popping off because he's cool. His party's popping off because 
he is a tax person. Yeah, and they're all his clients, and he's just writing this all off as a tax credit. Yeah, <laughs> and going on about how he saves so much money by doing all the stuff and uh, inviting over his clients instead of inviting over real friends. Yeah, but then one of the statues that we see earlier in the movie that come to life, which we forgot to mention, I guess, but the statues come to life a little bit earlier. Yeah. They're on top of the building. They're weird designed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's in his apartment. Chases him down throughout the city. Nobody notices them, which I think that part's weird. No, people do see it. Yeah. Yeah. There's some that do and some that don't is the weird thing about it. Yeah, and that's one of the things that actually is kind of like, I don't, movie, you gotta gotta be consistent here. Yeah, that part's yeah. weird. Because he gets up to, like, this restaurant and he's banging on the glass and trying to get attention. Everyone, like, looks at him and then he's, like, screaming and slides on the glass, but nobody sees that there's a giant dog out there. Yeah. And so they all just keep going along with their meal. Which is weird because you, the dog is so big, you think you'd be able to see him. Well, even so, they go on with the meal before that. Like he's still banging on the like glass. He's banging like he's banging on the glass, yeah. screaming help, and they look at him and keep eating. And then he does the ah while he's being possessed by this dog, and they just see him like slump down to the ground, look at him again, and then just keep eating. Yeah. My guess is they just didn't want to animate that. <laughs> I would guess so. Yeah. They're probably it's really hard to animate through another object. We can't do it. Which yeah. to be fair, like it's. It looks really cheap nowadays, but I'm sure it was a huge effect then because it's very much like this claymation dog that's chasing him through the city. And you can tell that's like green screened in because you can see the white line around it where they had to go between the claymation and the actual film. Yeah, and I don't know if you would be able to tell that in like a DVD of it or I don't know if it's just because it's being upscaled from 1080p Blu-ray. But yeah, it's incredibly visible, the frames that they put in for that claymation thing. Yeah. And it almost looked like they took the claymation of that or the claymation shots of that and just like glued it onto the frame. That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is probably why you see that white line cuz they didn't like get the cut out perfect. It reminded me of those stupid videos on YouTube where someone like it shows like an accident and all of a sudden they get yeeted into space. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that, I actually um... get what you mean. But eventually uh Peter Venkman gets over to Dana's place for the date, and she's rapey. And she yep. opens the door. She's like, hey, I'm the key master. Or no, I'm the gatekeeper. Are you the key master? You're like, no. No. Slams the door in his <laughs> yeah. face. Which I thought was a great scene. Just slams the door like, okay. And then she knocks again. I'm the gatekeeper. Are you the key master? Sure. And she's like, oh, let's him in. And like for a while, he thinks it's just uh, like weird sex thing until he notices all the ectoplasm everywhere, uh, which also I think is a really nice touch because he's yeah. not stupid. He is still yeah. a doctor. Um, he's just an, an asshole. <laughs> he's a horny asshole on top yeah. of that. Yeah, and so she's like trying to hit on him. She's like, I want you inside me. Which, by the way, PG. Yeah. PG, I want you inside me, she says. I I, I love the line he says to that. Like, I think there's already it's already crowded in there, as <laughs> is. Yeah, there's already two of you in there. I think it's already a bit crowded for me. Also, <laughs> <laughs> he's still a dick, and is like, mm, yeah, sure, maybe. And then he's like, ah, I guess not. And then I think the line that I hear quoted more often than anything else from this movie is at this part. It's like, I, I need to speak to Dana. There is no Dana. Only Zool. Yeah, that that is. You quote that really very often, yeah, actually. I, <laughs> I think it's because I heard it so often on like just you, watching stuff on YouTube for the longest time <laughs> that eventually just like got ingrained into my humor. But yeah, she's super possessed and rapey and he's trying not to do that. Kind barely. of. <laughs> barely. She makes weird faces. So, uh, Lewis is running around town at this point and making a hustle. Cops arrest him, eventually take him over to the Ghostbusters, uh, headquarters. And they're like, Hey, um, is this guy like, are you interested in him? Cause I know you guys like, cause we don't know stuff. what to do with him. Like we don't really want to throw him in jail, but we don't know what to do with him right now. This is before they sent people to the loony bin. Apparently. <laughs> yeah, apparently. And then like, Egon goes out there and scans him. He's like, hmm, 
Yeah, we'll take him. <laughs> and then the secretary's like, oh, you're such a good humanitarian. Oh, yeah, you're such a humanitarian. Oh, I'm not really sure he's human. And, she, and then, you know, she's super thirsty. She is. And, like, I don't know why, but I also never understand anyways, so. But actually, that's something that uh, Harold Ramis was saying in the commentary, is that, like, they purposely put all those, like, weird flirting things in there, because they meant for it to end in a, a love story of, uh-huh. like, them getting together. And then he said, while they were writing it and doing and shooting the movie, they just decided that it was boring, so they just didn't end <laughs> it that way. So they just <laughs> left her lines in there and changed his lines. No, like, it's all, that was all just their lines. Well, I'm glad that they didn't end on that, because he's clearly not interested. Yeah, like, that was the thing. He's like, it was just super boring, and it didn't actually matter, so we just didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> that makes the last scene with him more amazing then. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so they go in, and he's checking him. A cool little thing is they got him on the brain scan. If you look in the MRI thing, it's the gargoyle. Yeah, yeah, that's a good effect. But they eventually like, yeah, something's not right here. Yeah. And I forget if they call. No, Peter calls them. Yeah, Peter, yeah, Peter calls, calls them. them, saying that something's wrong with Dana, saying that she's looking for the key master, or looking for the key master, and she's apparently the gatekeeper. And like, oh, well, we find we found the key master, or key master is delivered to us, and apparently he's looking for the gatekeeper. And it's like, should we bring him together? It's like, no, like. Like, let me go over there and Yeah, I think that might this. be a little disastrous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, he likes to dated Zool. Yeah. Yeah, he like he makes a comment saying, like, we're I'm just gonna give you a couple milligrams of this and yeah. like knocks her out. It's really like there's some weird implications there. Yeah, yeah. there are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not think about that too much though. All right. It, Bill it may Murray or may not You're right. I actually completely glossed that over, but he's very He's he knew what to do in that situation, didn't yeah, he? Did. Yeah. If you if you look too deep into it, it's more rapey than it should be. I wonder what the inner monologue in his head is like. Nah, nah, Bill, this is too easy. You don't like it when it's this easy, Bill. <laughs> well, like, cause he also like does this weird thing. He's like, oh yep, yeah, ha, it's like we're married when this woman's unconscious. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. So he goes to walk uh to the place, uh the Ghostbuster house. Peter, like, leaves. So, yeah, yeah. The, the environmental people come in, they're like, yo, fucking, we got a warrant. And uh, Egon's like, hey, um, uh, no. And they're like, shut this shit down. And Egon's like, hey, um, no. <laughs> and then yeah. Peter comes in, and he's like, hey, um, no. <laughs> and the environmental is like, fuck that. And they shut it down. If you deconstruct this movie, there's an overarching moral in the story that environment environmentalists <laughs> are fucking evil. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Which is yeah. weird, because, you know, at this time, it usually was the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. Huh. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> they shut it down, and then, kablamo, everything fucking explodes, and all the ghosts are out now. And then they run outside and get arrested. Yeah. Yeah, for exploding. For, which, yeah, yeah, for, yeah, I was going to say, like, this exploded, this is dangerous, you guys are being arrested. You shut it off when we told you not to. And the, he's like, I don't believe gonna... in ghosts. Yeah. Because I, I don't give those kinds of characters in these kinds of movies, because, like, there's clearly ghosts everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like even later on in the movie too, like whenever he's trying to argue to a judge about this, he's just like, oh, they're, they let some kind of sedative into the air that's causing people to hallucinate. And they think that there's actually ghosts, but they're really just a bunch of scam artists. And I don't believe in ghosts. But blah, I like blah. the faces that everybody makes at him. Like Peter specifically is like, what the fuck are you talking yeah, about? Like, <laughs> it's like, how many like, hoops do you have to jump through to justify your answer for this? Unless like yeah. it, the explosion was so traumatic that he actually like, Blocked the part of his brain that has anything to do with ghosts. <laughs> That'd be <funny>. maybe. 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure if you deconstruct the story, environments are evil. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about, and they're delusional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, they get arrested. Uh, Lewis is looking for Dana, the possessed parts of them, at least. Yeah, because he escapes during the explosion and all that. He doesn't right. really escape. He just walks away. Just, yeah, yeah. No one actually he tries to get the, him. He escapes in the sense of, oh shit, there's ghosts all over the city now, and. Where did he go again? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, now now the Ghostbusters are in jail, and they just have blueprints and are making plans in the jail cell. Yeah, yeah nothing got confiscated. Yeah. Why would you do that to some people who just exploded a building? Yeah, that'd be weird. Yeah, and like while they're making this plan, all the prisoners are like going around them, and even and like just trying to pay attention to the plan. Like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I want in on this. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> the Ghostbusters are like, no. There is a lot of backstory that they just pass over. Yeah, about how, like, it's, I feel it could have been, like, its own little side story for yeah. this movie of, like, the man who built the building and how he made it out of this crazy material, and either he was a genius or he was just completely nuts and how it yeah, seemed and, like it was meant to house uh, something greater than just what it was on the surface. And, and there's a cult for Godor. What's his? Gozer. Gozer. Yeah. That, like, just worshipped Gozer. There's, like, hundreds of people. Yeah. Which and way? they just fucking skate over that <laughs> yeah this reminds, uh we did miss a scene look that... i i do think it works it does, it, it does work why. once yeah. again it's one of those From, you can kind of add in your own little story to it though but very much that could have been its own side story i don't like when i watched that i'm just like just a flat line. <laughs> yeah. but um we also skipped a part which is somewhat relevant uh they're in the car and they're just like hey this is kind of like the revelations which right uh, now it because like at this point in the movie it's like super symbolism now yeah, 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 which is kind of weird, but also that maybe that's just the style of the times. Everything has to be Christian. Yeah, earlier in the movie, Rain wants to have a talk about how like this is the end of times, and like they start quoting Bible scripture and all kinds of stuff. And it's really because like, so Winston yeah. asked Ray, "Hey, do you believe in God?" And Ray's like, "Nah, I never met him." But apparently, Ray's like super into the Bible, though. Yeah, he's like, "Do you remember this?" He's like, "No, but I remember this passage," and quotes it directly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. Um, maybe they were afraid of having the scientist characters be atheists. I don't know. I have, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, so they're they're in jail, and now they have to make a plea to the mayor, and the mayor's like, "There's fucking ectoplasm and blood bleeding from the walls everywhere." <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then a priest shows up, and he's like, "Yo, I I can't say this as the church, but I think this is from God." Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh fucking Dickless, what's what's his actual name? He's credited as Walter Peck. Peck is his name, yeah. but the but the e, uh, EPA guy. Yeah, so he's like fucking they're scam artists and the mayor's like Hey, what about you? What do you gotta say, Ghostbusters? And they're like, Yo, this shit's whack and if we don't stop it, we're all dead. And then imagine next voting cycle. Yeah. If this isn't all whack, and you're the guy who said we could fix it, you're going to have so many voters on your side. Oh, I fucking love... <laughs> you will have saved millions of lives of registered... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, then uh, the mayor's like, fuck off, Peck. And then they f they go, they're like, Ghostbusters. And, and like then the, the mayor just has a fucking army? Yeah, fuck it. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Fuck it. Why not? It's the 80s. <laughs> but yeah, like, they're all there, and like, they just have like all their adoring fans waiting from outside of this building that they're going yeah. towards. And like, there's like this very underproduced but overproduced effect of like the sky turning black around this building. Yeah. And yeah, everyone's like cheering them on outside because there's a giant crowd. The ground cracks open. 
really cool scene, but pointless ultimately. Yeah, it, yeah. it was ultimately a very pointless scene, but I think that it's just like, fuck it, we have $30 million, let's put it in the movie. <laughs> Literally, I think that's exactly what it was. It's like, yeah. we still have $10 million, um, let's make a soundstage where the ground breaks open. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that happens, then they're like, we're okay, and then they go in and have to climb up the stairs. Yeah. They make it seem like it's endless stairs, but in reality, it's 24s. <laughs> 22. Or 22. I think they stopped Big at difference. 12, didn't they? Well, no, cause... no, that's in the other hotel. <laughs> yeah, oh. with this one. Yeah, at the hotel uh, earlier, with that other ghost, or with the first ghost that they really captured, that's floor 12. This one, they have to get to floor 22, but they. That's the highest floor in the building, yeah, apparently. Yeah, but like, <laughs> they ask, like, how high up are we? Oh, we're somewhere in the teens. Cool, let me know whenever we get to 20 so I can throw up over the side. And, like, yeah. it looks like they still have, like, an endless amount of stairs to climb up, even though it's just 10 more floors. Yep. It's yeah, it's a good joke, though. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, so they climb up, and then it's like, oh, we made it. Uh, where's the room? Oh, it's at the end of the hall. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go in. Also, there's this and- weird sexual thing with uh, Lewis and Dana. I hate it. Take it out oh. of the movie, please. Uh <laughs> I don't think they can do that. <laughs> I, I'm releasing an ease cut of every movie, and I take out every <laughs> sex scene and sexual scene and romantic scene. You know, it's and there it's was replaced. a sex scene. It wasn't. It wasn't a sex scene. It was just gross, in my opinion. But that's my opinion about every was, scene. Was like that this. the one where they're laying down and kind of staring up? No, where they the like start the just making out. Should I block that for my? Memory? I wish I could. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just I just saw them both like laying down and like. Like Dana just laying on top of yeah. Lewis, and then like they get up and kind of stare at the Ghostbusters, and then transform into yeah. dogs. Which I guess before this, too. also Dana's ri- ridiculous in this. Oh yeah, yeah. The, I I don't know if like the director was like just uh, try to look sexy because she does this weird stuff with her body as if she's entirely trying to like look seductive or something the whole time, and it looks absolutely stupid. Yes. It's like is that how a seductive person is supposed to walk <laughs> in the eighties? <80s>? Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess. But yeah, um, so yeah, there's a bunch of, there's like in-betweens with these scenes, one where they kiss and it's gross, one where they just lay there and then they become dogs. Yeah. But not actually dogs like the gargoyles. One thing we did skip, there was a joke I liked here too, just the very dry humor of it. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, all right, well, where are they? This this apartment's just destroyed. Hey, where did those stairs lead? Up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I really, it it was just, it's so simple, but it's so effective with that joke. That's what their dry humor succeeds in the most is a very simple thing becomes this thing that's just blown way out of proportion. Right. Yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, yeah they, they turn go, dogs, uh, well, gargoyles. And, okay, so, I, this is something that's weird to me. So, there are these gargoyle creatures that have to possess humans to turn back into gargoyles. <laughs> I guess maybe. <laughs> they never really thought of it, yeah. but, yeah, that's kind of weird. They didn't really do much. I no. think there's, I think actually, it's implied they had sex. They, I, I think that, I think that is. I think you're you're I, I actually just remember the part where they make out now <laughs> because I remember thinking that if this wasn't a PG movie, they'd totally be having sex because I get the whole like occult idea that you have to like do an act of creation to summon something or something. So I'm like, that makes sense. Yeah. It's like so in reality, they're totally going to totally bony. The, yeah. So, yeah. But basically, I don't know how to explain this, but it's like it's like a hole and then you have a rod and it's the, it's, it's a penis. <laughs> and then you <laughs> have this cave vagina yeah so okay so here's the steps to summon gozer for anyone who's curious you get two gargoyles they have to possess two humans mm-hmm. uh one male and one female most likely I, it's not too explicit yeah because one and has then, to be the key and one has to be the gate yeah 
You know what? Actually, I just realized what that means. Yeah, yeah. the key in the 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 gatekeeper, and yeah. I just realized what does a key do? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, then they have, to have that s- gate. Yeah, they have <laughs> sex, and then they become gargoyles again. And this is how you summon fucking Gozar. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you think that that was like an uncomfortable conversation between Gozar and his two? Like, no, 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 no. I want you to f- go into the world. And make them bang. It'll totally be funny. <laughs> yeah, but Gozar, why don't you just come down? No, no, it'll be great. Just, just fucking do it, man. It'll be hilarious. I don't really want it. I'm not going to leave unless you do it. I'm not going to do it unless you two do yeah. this. It'll be fucking but hilarious. Do you want this Armageddon or not, okay? Yeah. So also, Gozar's in the most ridiculous outfit as well. Yeah. Yeah, just they did that on purpose, I feel. Bubble wrap. Just tons of fucking bubble wrap. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's weird. I don't like this design of Gozar. But also, Gozar just doesn't have a design anyways. Yeah, because yeah. they even said, like, why does Gozar look like that? So Gozar can look like whatever they want to look like, apparently. Man, woman, doesn't matter. Yeah. And, like, is that scene where, like, maybe we should try talking to her and walks up and he's like, hey, stop what you're doing. And she looks at them and goes, like, do you be gods? No. Are you gods? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she almost throws them off the building. Yeah. Except for Winston, who just gets put on a little pedestal. But, yeah, almost electrocutes them off the building. And then doesn't. So they just get up and Winston's like, Ray, in the future, if somebody asks you if a god, if you're a god, you say yes. Which is just another one of those extremely quotable lines. Yeah. yeah. Although Winston does seem to be pretty devout Christian. I feel like he wouldn't say that. Yeah, but I feel like he's also a very blue collar. So <laughs> he also enough. probably doesn't want to be thrown off a building. Yeah, yeah that's true. So they're like, yo, very oh, good. Yeah. I was going to say pragmatic. It wasn't really going to contribute. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't going to pull you back toward that point just to say he's also pragmatic. But. Yeah, there's, okay. so, uh, there's that. They get back up on yeah, the building. Yeah, they shoot, they shoot lasers at Gozar. Gozar fucking does a front flip and uses their electric powers to land in heels. Yeah, that's yeah. what you do. <laughs> because 1980s. Yeah. They try to shoot Gozar again and Gozar's like, fuck this, I'm out. And goes into the sky. And then you hear a voiceover of like, Whatever you can imagine, I will become that. Like, choose your retribution or something. Or choose your destructor. I was like, okay, so if our minds are blank, there can't be anything. So we have to be very careful about what we do here. We have to make a very clear choice. Your choice is chosen. Peter's like, wait, no, nobody chose anything. Nobody was thinking. Were you thinking? And Egon's like, nope, I wasn't thinking anything. Winston, were you thinking? Mind was blank. He's like, I wasn't thinking. And like, all the time, all the while, you see just Ray slowly, (laughs) like, like, oh God, what have I done? Yeah. (laughs) And he's like, Ray, what did you do? I just, I thought of the most innocent thing. I didn't mean to, but it just, it popped in my head. And so it just, it's there. And you start like seeing little yeah. like thing in the background or like in other shots going by. And he's like, what did you do, Ray? He's like, it's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. And you see a Godzilla-sized Stay Puft Marshmallow Man just nah, de- destroying small. the city. <laughs> Not even the size of a building. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. This isn't a fucking destroyer. I mean, you get two jets and that thing's gone. Like, what? Do you, that's not going to destroy yeah. anything. I mean, apparently it destroys a church because as it's like, or as it's walking slowly towards them, it steps on a church and then they start blasting it with their yeah. uh, ghost ray guns. And he's just yeah. like, "Stepping on a church is the last step for me, buddy." Like, while and that's what Bill him. Murray says, yeah. which is a very un-Bill Murray line. Yeah, it's odd. Yeah. There may have been pressure from the church to make this like, <laughs> like a church. Well, I, church. Because, I mean, why the Pope... Like, like I, I, I feel like I have a pretty good taste for dry humor, and I still couldn't catch the fucking humor then, except like, oh, it's the Pope. <laughs> or the not even the Pope. Who was it's it? The, the bishop. fucking bishop. Yeah, yes. the father. So I don't know. 
that that it was it's you're right it has a weird like religious thing yeah, to yeah. It. like i am not necessarily joking i do really think they were just scared that they would alienate the audience if the <laughs> if the scientists were like or atheists atheists it's possible i'm starting to think you were right honestly because yeah. i feel like the 1980s is like the rise of the televangelist too i mean reagan and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. was going on right now so it was a very christian world that mm-hmm. they were in so anyway so they're then uh they can't shoot it so egon's like you know what let's just cross the beams like you said never to cross the beams well now we have to cross the beams yeah. If we don't, everyone's gonna die. And Peter's like, yeah, fuck yeah, okay, beams, yeah, cross the streams, and like, it's a good chance we're not gonna walk away from this. Okay, cool. And they all cross the streams, and except I thought they would shoot the marshmallow man. No, they shoot the door, which is smart. It is yeah. smart, yeah. So they shoot the door that Gozer came out of, which is like this giant glass pyramid thing, blows it up, uh, blows up the marshmallow man at the same time. Right. Marshmallow goes flying everywhere. Ray's covered in marshmallow. E's covered in marshmallow. Egon's covered in marshmallow. Peter, Peter comes out from behind a corner and he has a little bit of marshmallow in his hair. Otherwise, he's completely fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the environmental man's just standing there and then a bunch of smoldering hot marshmallow lands on him. He's probably dead. If only. Oh, is he in the sequel? I don't remember. I don't think he is. If he's not, I'm going to I'm gonna headcanon that he just died here from having smoldering hot marshmallow <laughs> land on him. Sweet. He became a human s'more. I think out of... Uh, all the like little mistakes. One thing that I noticed during this scene is because like you know you have like all the rubble that's falling on top of everybody while the building's crumbling around them. Yeah, they're very much foam rocks, and you can tell because like one oh, of the yeah. giant ones like bounces off one of the police fence fences and lands on someone's head, and that person just runs away as if nothing happened. Yeah, no, it broke the fall, so it only hit them with seventy tons of yeah. concrete. <laughs> However much concrete bounces off of a single post and lands on someone's head, like you know it's. It's not going to kill them, no, it's even like, though the rock's bigger than they are. Yeah, it's like if you flick a penny off the Empire State Building, terminal velocity just causes it to not get any worse. Yeah, yes. it's the same thing with boulders. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's exactly the same thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they're up there. Bill Murray's all like, damn, the woman died. And then, oh, wait, a hand comes out of the gargoyle. Oh, man, they're alive. Apparently, they were just encased in the gargoyle. Yeah, it's, yeah, I don't it's it a either. weird thing where it's a gar- it's like the gargoyle and then the person and then they're encased inside the gargoyle like a fucking cocoon. Yeah, so Bill Murray gets her out and he's like, oh, look, uh, Lewis. And Lewis is like, ah, there's no light. Ah. And they let him out and he's like, oh my God, thank you guys so much. This is amazing. By the way, who does your taxes? <laughs> and they go down to the street and the credits start rolling and they're just getting celebrated the whole time. People are cheering them on. They're hugging. They're taking pictures. Very 80s ending. And they drive away in the Ecto-1. And, uh, bam. Which, by the way, the Ecto-1, I didn't talk about it at all yet. The Ecto-1 from this movie... Has one of the best designs of a car ever. It does. It's a hearse. But also, they just let it rot after the movies. Like, they didn't take care of it. It wasn't on a lot being protected somewhere. They literally just put it in a warehouse and let it rot until 2009, when the Ghostbusters video game for 360 and PS3 came out. And they wanted to use the car... To help advertise the game. So, like, they put a DVD player in it and a CD player in it so they could, like, put a trailer in it for, like, cons and stuff like that. And so they went, that's when they finally went and got it, like, refurbished and fixed up. But, like, everything was rusted. It barely was a vehicle at that point. They had to do a complete overhaul on it. Oh, my gosh. And they only did that because of the video game, which is such a weird thing. Yeah. That is pretty weird. Yeah. They just were running that rot in a warehouse somewhere. That's not a nice thing to do to that Hearst. No, it's not, because it looks nice. It's yeah. cool. But... But that's that movie. Yeah. yeah. 
that was a lot of fun, guys. Yeah. I hope that you guys enjoyed listening to that new format change. If you have an opinion on it and you want to email us at all about it or message us on Facebook, uh, Facebook, Twitter, last ones in on both of those. And then our email, if you want to get a hold of us, let you know what you thought of the new format or if you prefer the old one, let us know. The last ones in podcast at gmail.com. That's once again, the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. But guys, hi. If you were to rate this movie on a scale of zero to 10, E. Hi. What would you rate that movie? A seven. That's solid. Yeah. That's the same as Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, most thing. Uh, as per usual with me, the romance stuff drags it down, and I think I have more a reason to say that in this one because it's it's like half baked romance, yeah, it's creepy, which is the worst. Yeah. And it almost doesn't get resolved. Like they kiss in the end, but I don't think Bill Murray earns that kiss. No. Nope. Yeah. That is a petty you saved my life kiss. Yeah. But like, it's still weird because she seems to like come around to him, especially when she's like, oh yeah, I have a date and stuff. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of. I don't, I, I, I don't like that part. Um, like I said, Bill Murray is my favorite and least favorite part of this movie. That's fair, honestly. Yeah. All the practical effects, most of the practical effects are pretty neat. Yeah. There's a couple that don't work as well but that's probably because we're watching it not how it was intended to be watched for the most part i agree with that i really like the characters uh i think it's kind of weird that it's people only talk about three ghostbusters because it almost half the movie i'd say has four ghostbusters but you know whatever yeah there is more of a feeling of four ghostbusters in the next movie okay maybe that one if we get to around to it i'll like that a bit um yeah other thoughts other thoughts uh, the secretary's a really interesting character when she's not hitting on what's-his-face. She's fun. She's uh, a highlight of the next movie as well. Oh, good. Because, like, the secretary is one of my least favorite parts of the remake. Yeah, I would agree with that. He sucks. Yeah. So, in all, uh, better than the remake by a long shot. Yes. Yes, it is. And that's cool. Like, I was kind of worried that it would hit too many of the same beats as the remake and remind me too much of that. Not a not an issue. It is almost the complete opposite of the remake in almost every regard, <laughs> which is really not in a like, good way. Well, yeah, but like it's kind of funny. Like, why would you remake it but like change every single thing? Not even like what didn't work and what did work. Yeah, there's a lot of problems with the remake. Yeah, it was foolish. But yeah, so uh, curious about the sequel. So whenever we get to that, yeah, again, not a movie I think I'll watch again, but that, as I discussed last week, that's not unreasonable for yeah, me. That's not unheard of for you. Yeah. That's your norm. Robbie. Yeah. What would you rate this? I'd say about an eight out of 10, actually, which it's one of those things like there are certain jokes in it. It didn't really like it was too dry for me, honestly. Yeah. But there are a lot of jokes that did hit, but it kind of hit in like the... It hit in a subtle, I think about it afterwards kind of jokes, which is why it's this is such a quotable movie. It's because you'll watch it and just like kind of enjoy what's happening in front of you, and then you'll talk about it later and then start saying things like, oh, yeah, we can do more damage separately, or there's no Dana, there's only Zool, there's, uh, oh, stairs, they go up. Kind of like just little dry, little dumb bits yeah, like back that. Back off, that, I'm a scientist. Yeah, back off, I'm a scientist. Like just little dumb bits like that that you don't think about while you're watching the movie, but you'll quote later on. Yeah. Which is kind of, it makes the movie almost like a fine wine in a sense. But, it's aged amazingly well. Yeah. I'm going to say that. But it is still very much an 80s movie. Like, there's a lot of 80s tropes in it, but it has aged very well. I will give you that. Yeah. But, like I said, it's very 80s, and it, in some cases it's too dry, but it's still just, at its very core, a very enjoyable movie. It's very charismatic, very smart characters. 
So it's just something that's enjoyable to watch and show other people. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Rocky. So I give this a 10. Nice. nice. Wow. I would say that, yeah, I I would have to debate between a 9 or a 10. Look, I mean, it's not a perfect movie. I don't think a perfect movie exists, but it does something that I really like, and it's it's and it's its own thing. It doesn't rely on anything else. It's, it's not, again, I have to say, it's not trying to sell you anything. You are literally captured in a piece of film that isn't like, oh, this is funny because of this. Right. That was just that was their humor. They weren't trying to sell you on their humor. Right. The humor's not very in your face. The jokes aren't in your face. It's so ingrained to the movie. You recognize it. But it's also more than that. Yeah, um, I agree with that 100 percent. You know, and there's there's a lot of magic in that movie, I think. And that's from someone who I thought I was going to I thought I was going to fucking suck. So, <laughs> Got to watch another bullshit classic. The thing is, there is a lot of like sexism. Uh, the romance was fucking weird, yep, yep. right? There is no part in that movie that's super relevant to the rest of that movie. And I think that's another reason I think it's such a successful movie. Because I'm not like, oh, if they didn't have that part, that movie would be trash. Yeah, you right? could take out that like, is, any part, almost any part of this movie, and it would still be that movie. Exactly. And I think that that is a fantastic piece of film for that. There, It's just it's just a magic magical piece of film, I think. And that's why I give it a 10. Nice. Do I like movies way more than that? I like movies way more that I would give an eight. <laughs> but that just looking at it from just what it did to me when I watched it and how it caught my attention. And I'm always looking for flaws and stuff. Things I can't really describe, but like I can recognize them as soon as I see them. This movie is very fluid. And again, it's it's not perfect. Not a perfect movie. It has its problems. But I mean, good luck finding a perfect movie. So for me, this is a 10. Okay, cool. Not every movie well, it's is, like a, of course, Ed and A's big picture show, right. the perfect movie. <laughs> yeah, they, we can't all aspire for such great <laughs> But it's like I've said in some previous ones, too, is um, a masterpiece doesn't have to be perfect within its sense. It just has to hit at the right moments and do the right things, in a sense. It, it, like, you can still find flaws in it, but it's still within itself a masterpiece. And in this case, this one actually is... Um, Another thing that I found, like looking, uh, whenever you guys kept on telling me to like try to find the quote that I was looking for, that I ended up coming ac- across, uh, based off of inflation, are uh, for 2020, this movie are uh, yeah for all the other movies, uh, this would actually be the 32nd highest grossing movie ever made, and was wow. the highest grossing comedy up until Home Alone came out. Wow, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, I think it did like 235 million dollars in the box office, which for 1984 is massive. That is massive. And then there's a line in the movie that I think is incredibly relevant to the franchise as a whole is in the movie, Bill Murray, as his character, Peter, he's like, listen, even if everything flops and we only have a couple of successes, the merchandising rights alone will make us money. (laughs) And like, that's Ghostbusters, right? Because like Ghostbusters is so much more than just the movie now. It's this whole product line. It's the it's the costumes. It's the ghosts. It's right. it's the Ecto One. It's all of it. Yeah, Which, yeah. It did a lot of that too. I know that like for a while there, there was like Ghostbusters lunchboxes and Ghost but Ghostbuster cereals and T shirts and socks and whatever else for merchandising. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of things wanted to be Ghostbusters after. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, if I were to have to give this thing a rating, I would give it a nine. It's a great movie. It's so memorable and quotable and classic and its own little encapsulated thing that I don't think you can exactly replicate. They they tried to replicate it themselves with the sequel and they couldn't even do it. It's a special thing. Right. Um, I am looking forward to the new Ghostbusters that was supposed to come out this year, but it's 
been pushed back to next year, unfortunately. It's quarantine. Yeah, because COVID. Um, I'm, I am looking forward to that, though. I think that could be a lot of fun. I'm hesitant, but I do think it can be fun. But I really do enjoy it a lot. It's just fun, and even though it does have a lot of adult things and a lot of creepy things, there is just this level of innocence and enjoyment that you feel that pervades through the whole thing. And it doesn't just feel like a product. It, Like Rocky said, it feels like it's a bunch of people just really having fun and enjoying themselves and like this is what they wanted to do and this is their humor and they're not trying to shove it down their, your face. It's just they're doing the thing they want to do and hey, I'm glad you enjoy it. Right. Yeah, I would give this movie a nine. Highly, highly recommend. Seven, I eight, think- nine, ten. Small yep. straight. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, th- I think part of the reason I didn't give it a higher rating on my end, too, is because, like I said, some of it was just too dry for me. But I think that's just a personal opinion more than anything else. But hey, all in all, all this, you, this is definitely an enjoyable movie. It's definitely something worth watching. It's definitely something worth showing your friends showing your friends if they haven't seen it. Yeah, which is rare. I'm glad I have an E in my life. I can Hello. just yeah. show him so many movies. But yeah, that's going to do it for us on this one. Stay safe out there, guys. It's a crazy, crazy world. Watch out for those blizzards. Yeah, thank you, everybody, for joining me. Rocky, Robbie, E. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Talk to you guys next week. Remember, stay alone, stay alive. Have a good one. Forever alone. Like a boss. Busting makes me feel good. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Robbie, I have an honest question to ask you, (laughs) and this is not joking or mocking. Isn't it? Do you... Exactly. This actually goes with the question. Do you resent us sometimes? Fuck you. <laughs> you should just do what I do with keys and just wear them around your neck. It doesn't. No. <laughs> I look like I'm on a quest to open doors. And just... Oh, yeah. Because it was film was 16 by 9, whatever the hell film was. I don't even know. Yeah. And then it started being 4x3 for a bit, because that's why everyone owns. So why would you make it not 4x3? Yeah. And then it started going back, but you can't make a 4x3 cartoon not 4x3 without either stretching it or cropping it, both of which gross. Don't do that. <laughs> well, and with cartoons and, like, a lot of things with TV, too, is, like, it was done for budget reasons. Like, with digital, that was mostly budget reasons. And yeah. so, like, you know, back whenever a $20,000 camera only shot in 720p and didn't really scale very well to anything else like that's where you got that problem in the early 2000s and kind of the same thing with uh cartoons it was a uh, they started going into digital territory around that time and they stopped you know doing film cells like what they used to do and they started uh, just making it kind of straight to the oh, whatever the format is for vhs were just like magnetically put onto tape instead of actually well, made into film yes cells. and no depends a lot of cartoons were very different on how they wanted to do it some still yeah. use that some data hybrid where they do the main parts on the cells and then digitally do the rest there's a this is a whole shebang yeah. that yeah. is a whole shebang a whole but yeah thing. that's a whole other conversation <laughs> but i don't really know about any of that <laughs> <laughs> we had a circle thing going and I figured I had to shut up dry will never be a shadow monster sure. 50-50 on whether it it, it's 50-50 it. maybe it was maybe it was I'll look it up later if I find more definite sources I'll tell you and then you can keep that in if it's true and don't keep it in if I can't find anything sound good cool. Robbie do you resent me Fuck you. Okay, I agree with me. <laughs> <laughs>
Up two to one. Guess so. All right.